hello and welcome to the MinMax Show, a place about games, friends, and getting better. My name is Ben Hansen, joined by Leo Vader. <laughs> yeah. Janet Garcia's here. Hey, what's up? And Jacob Geller, special guest. Welcome back, sir. I'm here. He's here. He's got some funky lighting behind him, and he's here to help us unpack some good stuff. Because on this episode of the podcast, we're talking Kana, Bridge of Spirits. The game whose name I did not forget after all this time. Uh, talked a little bit more about Deathloop because I'm very curious to hear some more takes on that. Uh, Jacob Geller, um, he sent a flare somehow directly to my house uh, and then started screaming, you need to talk about Severed Steel. You need to talk about That's Severed right. Steel. Uh, so we'll be talking about Severed Steel. Um, and then we're going to relax. Everyone's going to lean back, close their eyes, and I'm going to regale them with some stories from Age of Empires 4. Get ready for that, everybody. And then some great community Ooh. questions in the back half of the show. Um, couple things first. Uh, if you're listening to this, watching this, and saying, what is wrong with them? Where's the Nintendo love? Why does this crew hate Nintendo so much? Um, we don't. Not all of us do. Uh, but we recorded this before the Nintendo Direct happened. So if you want to see our reactions to that, you can go to MinMax's YouTube channel. Uh, we'll have streamed our reactions right now. Look, it might fall through. But right now, as of the time of this recording, the plan is for Kyle to stream that with... Surreal Vasquez out of the darkness. Uh, so you can I check guess Surreal isn't consulting on any Nintendo games. <laughs> <laughs> Very shrewd of you to notice, Jacob Keller. Uh, but yeah, you can check it out on our YouTube channel that I'm sure we'll be uh, unpacking some of the big news from that uh, next week if you're curious about it. Um, but before we get to the meat and potatoes here, we should do a little segment that we've been doing at the top of the show where we take one community question, bring it to the top of the show, which does not disqualify it. For being question of the week, Jacob Geller, you just need to remember this question maybe more than any others. So this is the community kickoff question, and it's one from Sean Mason. Uh, Y'all ready for a little story time? This is, this is a tale. This is like, it's up there with Moby Dick, I think. So Sean Mason writes in, he says, We are a few weeks into the school year, and this past week, the video game club I run started up. Naturally, a lot of Smash Brothers was played. The skill levels all varied greatly, with the exception of one eighth grader, who was so much better than everyone else. It was like watching the LA Dodgers play against a middle school baseball team. He steamrolled through <laughs> everyone. At first, nobody seemed to care, but then he started to trash talk this eighth grader, <laughs> to the point where one little sixth grader started to cry because the older student insulted him so badly. It was at this point I decided enough was enough. I told him he needed to be a better sport or else he would have to leave. He told me he needed better competition. So what did I do? I grabbed a GameCube controller and proceeded to destroy him. He didn't even manage to kill me once. After the match, when I went to go shake his hand, he huffed and puffed and ran out of the club. All the other kids were screaming with joy. So my question is, how cool am I? You're pretty cool, Sean. No, his question is, when Beat is up a, a child? <laughs> I hope you made that child cry, Sean. Now he asks, uh, when is a time you thought you were really good at something, only to be embarrassed by someone who is much better than you? All the time. Yeah, all the time. I think that's Smash life. Bros. For sure is my first, not my first time with that happening, but you know, and I have told this story before in places, but I played like a lot of melee, like Smash Bros. Melee. That's like oh, every day. Yeah. Every day, all the time. My brother would like run through the 64-man tournament. We would do that all the time. And I'm like, oh, I must be pretty good because of all the hours, all the time. Mm -mm. That's science. No, no, I'm like not even as good as like 
granted, I, everyone I know that I, like a lot of people I know are like really hardcore into gaming. So it's not like it's like an average gamer necessarily. Right. But I can't even like square up against basically anyone or even um, Splatoon to a degree. I do think I am aware of my levels there because one, there's ranked mode. So there you go. Two, I've like played with people that are you know, more um, intensive fans. Like I've, I've gone to like community meetups where like people are like training strats and stuff like that. So wow. I know that there's levels to this, but even like, <laughs> you know, I see the the confidence of facing a student and knowing that you can take them. I guess maybe he could tell by how he played that it would be OK, but I wouldn't even really be able to do that because I'll I'll be straight up. I definitely faced one of my students in Splatoon and it's not good. I did not win. I did not win. They had the sauce. I don't know. Oh. Y'all go. You're going to make it esports. You don't get a scholarship. It's 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 all good to them. You know, I'm like, I'm just here to be here. But I do love yeah, the anyone idea. Can, anyone can smoke me. potentially. <laughs> I love the idea of Sean, like cracking his knuckles, taking his pristine GameCube controller out of the case and be like, all right, sit down. Eighth grader. Here we go. And then he just gets smoked. <laughs> like if I was yeah, Sean, I think I would have started. Really crying I feel like he just added. He's like, let me just change this. For <laughs> he instantly effect. passed out from fear and then was my, drug my over answer and before you just posted the question without yeah. the story but also super smash bros melee yep. was was my because it's just i mean it's like every game i feel like you can just get such a wrong notion of your skill level by playing against ai mm-hmm. where i would be like i can beat a level nine that's the highest level i must be good at this game <laughs> right then, right um or actually recently uh like this summer i started playing uh fortnite with the boys and uh you know i'm i'm regressing in age Congratulations. Um, and they start you off with almost entirely bots right. just matches full of bots and so i was like Am I secretly great at Fortnite? It's diabolical. Like, we're have all, I been good this whole time? We're all nearly pro gamers. We've certainly talked about games enough. And the fact that over the last five years, I feel like we've all fallen for that and all had yeah. that tickle in the back of our mind of like, I think I'm really good at this game my first time out. <laughs> no, you idiot. It's always bots. I've it's I've been fooled by the bot thing multiple times. And still, when I was playing Splitgate for the first few hours, I was like, you know, maybe all my gaming experiences have culminated in training <laughs> me to be the ultimate Splitgate player, you know? It's and then, so of course, stupid. I don't even play it anymore because I get humbled so much every time I do it. By eighth graders. Yeah, naturally. Right. Uh, thanks for writing in, Sean. We appreciate it. Uh, all right. Hey, this Kena Bridge of Spirits game. Um, it was announced a while ago. Sony's really been pushing it. It's on PS5, PS4, uh, and the Epic Game Store on PC. I don't know where everybody else was at, um, but I was a little cautious about this one. Like, it looks beautiful from, like, it's a first-time studio, Ember Labs. It's a bunch of former VFX people. I don't know how this is going to go. Uh, I've been playing it over the last couple days. I really, really like it. Uh, Janet, you've been playing it, too? Yay. Yay. I'm glad you like it. Uh, yeah, I've been playing it. I have rolled credits as of last wow, night. Wow, nice. Uh, I really like it a lot. It is currently probably going to be in my top 10 for the year. I don't know if it's going to make it to the end because we still have quite a few games coming out. Um, but yeah, I, I like it a lot. Uh, it's just a fun, it's a fun adventure that's shockingly challenging. Yes. Okay, so if you don't remember what this is, it uh, it's very Princess Mononoke inspired, I guess you could say. Um, and then you you play as a Kana running through forests, uh, I guess hack and slash adventure. And if I may give an impression, it is very, very much in the vein of, 
Uh, I guess like the 128 generation, right? It does feel like an old GameCube game. It feels like an old PlayStation game. It's like, you know, I saw um, Beating Down Brian in the community comparing it to like, why does it feel like Beyond Good and Evil? There's a little bit of that in there, kind of like a Mark of Cree. I don't know. Janet, is that the fair comparison? Is somewhere in that vein, a little Jack and Daxter in there at times? Yeah, I, I think it definitely feels like my absolute first reading of it before I talked to anyone else about this game was I'm like, this feels like an like the HD remake of a beloved PS2 game yes. that never existed. Right. Um, which wasn't a, isn't a bad thing. I do think at times it can be limiting and I, and I do feel those limitations as I play. But um, it was so funny, like having that read. And then, you know, I did the uh, the review with Kind of Funny on PS I Love You. And everyone else also had that read. And then when the reviews dropped, like a lot of critics I knew also had that read. I was like, <laughs> yeah. OK, we all feel like this is this is what it is. And it's it, it feels like it's nostalgia if I've ever seen it. Like, it's Ooh. so nostalgic because it's is a new ip it's a new thing from a new studio but it is pulling on that nostalgia factor i think just in how it's designed but it does feel like the upper tier of that so you know i know some people hear that and they're like oh that's that's such an insult like obviously that can't be good i I just feel like it has those classic core design elements and the way it kind of funnels you through the adventure it just feels very of that era it's so weird and jacob keller do you remember this thing have you seen this thing much i've i've seen it plenty i'm actually Hearing that it's hard has me more interested really? because to to me, I, I watched it and maybe this speaks to how I remember, you know, like PS2 and GameCube games. But I saw it and I was like, that looks like a very beautiful kids game, not yeah. in a, you know, demeaning way, but just in like probably not, you know, my style if I'm not going to be playing with like a younger sibling or something. And so hearing that it's hard has me i don't know a little more interested just because it, it feels a little more gamery i don't know yeah Kids will cry. i'm like this child's game is beating the hell out of me like <laughs> i i am not you know i'm i'm an intense person in case people listening haven't figured that out yet but for games i don't get too angry i think i've just been in a lot of hard situations where I'm like, okay, I know how to keep my cool. I don't have any crazy rage quit stories of breaking things. But I swore more playing this game than any other game I played this year. And I did Demon's Souls for the first time this year. I was, I reached, I went to like a dark place playing this game and I loved it. I did have a good time. It was so satisfying when you do finally overcome those challenges. Um, and for context, like a lot of the, you know, you mentioned hack and slash, and I think it is yeah. that to a degree, but it, once you start to get more abilities, it does open up beyond that. Like you get, you know, a bow at one point you get like a bomb attack. So I think that's when the game really starts to sing because in the first, I'd say even like an hour, maybe even a little bit further in before I got the bow, I was playing this and I'm like, y'all, this ain't got the sauce. Like the platforming Simple. does that thing where it's a little petty with, you got to get it just exactly how they wanted it to if you want to grab onto the ledge and you know it wasn't as there wasn't as much stuff to explore in those early areas and it was just like okay i'm tapping i played on ps5 it's like all right r1 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 okay they're dead and then i roll and i just kind of felt like it felt uninspired to me at the beginning and then once those other abilities came in you can make these really satisfying combos because a lot of the combat situations are sort of arena like where you get a bunch of waves of enemies so you can start to do something like okay i'm gonna shoot my arrow and hit this uh glowing icon off this enemy because this recharges my rod ability which lets me use all these different things i have in my skill tree and then that loop just gets so satisfying yeah so you mentioned rot very quickly it's a it's a confusing thing because the world is 
beautiful, we should note, but it's also like infested, at least in the first area, the forgotten world, forgotten forest area that I just wrapped up now. Um, it's kind of infested with this dark overgrowth that's destroying the natural beauty. So it's a very satisfying thing as you're like going through the game, you're purifying the forest. And when a game is visually this amazing looking, just environment wise, to like have that moment of like turning this entire area from red and gray, like bam, it's just a flash of green and blue again. It's so refreshing. But the, the rock actually looks like that stuff from Breath of the Wild. It does. Like that, the calamity. Yeah, and I don't know where this goes, but the main character, it seems like they're like teasing the idea of like she also has like an infection in her arm, which looks like very Breath of the Wild sequel inspired. And then also with the bow, you can do a slow motion shot and stuff. So it does have like touches of that for sure. And actually the developers, Ember Labs, they're former uh, VFX people. And in their reel, if you go on their official site, it's kind of fun. Because back in 2016, they made a Legend of Zelda fan film. Like this Majora's Mask fan yeah, film. Yeah, the Majora's Mask one. Mm-hmm. Yep, that like Wait, people wrote I've, up. I've seen that. Really? The one with like Skull Kid yes. dancing around yep. in the forest. Yeah, the really yeah, good one. That is unbelievable. Yes. <laughs> like I remember showing that to a bunch of people being like, look at this. Yeah, so it's amazing that, I mean, huge Zelda fans that have that pedigree could make a game this solid as their first big game. It's mind boggling. Um, what was I talking about again? <laughs> oh, the rot. So it's confusing. <laughs> so that's not the rot. The rot in the game are these cute little, they kind of look like the guardians circles. of the forest from Princess Mononoke. What'd you call them? Circles. The cute, cute little, little circles, circles, I guess, is a good way of looking they at it. They kind of look like soot sprites, but they're less sooty. They're more round. Right, right. They kind of are going for the super cutesy move. They're like the, the porgs from Last Jedi or the, you know. There's a bunch of cute things in Shang-Chi, I guess, as well. Like, they're obnoxiously cute, but it's really effective because you, like, are building up this, like, armada of rot that are moving behind you. And the diabolical thing, Leo, the mm-hmm. part that makes it brilliant is they're all, like, just a bunch of little, yeah, soot creatures, whatever the hell they are, in the forest. But then you can go to a hat store and you can unlock hats. And it's not for all of them. You unlock and can equip one hat at a time. So you have this like sea of basically Pikmin, but then this ability to like customize each one individually. It's diabolical because it makes you suddenly care about like the little guy with that cute hat and what he's doing in the fight compared to everybody else. It's very smart. It would melt your cold, icy heart, Leo. Yeah, we'll see about that. All right, I guess we will. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really, really enjoying my time with it so far. Very throwback because I think part of it too, just trying to figure out like why does it feel so old? Part of it, like in that first area, is that it's a lot of time in the forest, but it's not like an open world for this first area, at least. It's like just corridors. And that's what feels somewhat retro about it. It's like, okay, you can't really interact with too much. You're kind of moving down these corridors. There's going to be paths and stuff, but it just looks visually so amazing within that confined constraint. It's a funky fusion. Yeah, for me, I think it's the way they construct the platforming that feels older because it's like... um, I think, too, because, like, if we're thinking of what a modern platformer looks like, you know, that we pull from just Odyssey, right? Kind of the best of the best. You are jump- you are jumping around, but it's not like there's all these, like, very obvious telegraphing. You know, it has that, that yeah. uncharted, that uncharted Tomb Raider white where it's like, oh, you grab this part. So I think a lot of what the PS2 era was for me in terms of adventure platformers was the illusion of grandiosity that you couldn't really fully engage with. And I think Kina has that a lot. Um, and you'll feel it in in moments where you're like, okay, I need to go here. Uh, I can't really jump on this rock. I can just do that janky. We've all done that classic slide the, down a rock that you can't actually climb where yeah. it's like kind of glitching out. Maybe you can cheese it. It's a lot of that. It's, it's moments like that that feel old to me. And then I think 
the abilities, I think because they are so, we've seen these a million times, still very fun. Like, it does that classic thing, too, where you, you like, conveniently slide down a ramp, and it feels really cool, and I love that, but also... I've done that a million times in Jack and Daxter. I've done that a million times. I've done that in every game. I'm right, like, right. I do like this, and I know you put this here for me, but at the same time, I know exactly what you're doing. I've seen it before. It's very, it's like they, they lean on a lot of those classic design philosophies, I think, which makes for, it makes for a great game, but it does feel a little bit dated. Yeah, for sure. And I've definitely been frustrated by like some of the puzzle logic too. Like, what am I supposed to be doing here? Okay, I think going from so many games especially Deathloop, which we'll talk about again in a little bit, that are very good at guiding you if you want that. There's moments in this game where it's like, I, I'm not quite sure what you're hoping to get me to do here. Or like, you know, this is a very specific thing, but I was like up in this tree solving a puzzle. And I was like, okay, solve the puzzle. Time to jump back down to the forest floor. Try jumping back down. Game over screen. Game over screen. Game I got over lost screen. there too. But then I think the game over screen is, it's smart because then it, I know I'm not supposed to do that. But it's like the ground is literally like 15 feet below me, but there's <laughs> some just death barrier that I can't say. I have to go back down the exact way they, they want, want me to go down. I want a game over screen when I try to jump up against a rock that I can maybe go over. And know? that's good <laughs> action adventure gaming. <laughs> it just shoots you. It just it's, yeah. Yeah. Just comes out. Airstrike. <laughs> It's got the downsides of that generation along with the upsides. But if you're nostalgic for like action adventure games from that PS2, GameCube, Xbox era, and you want something to look amazing, especially just design wise, I think the characters are fantastic. Like, yeah, Kena Bridge of Spirits, it's 40 bucks. Do you bucks. have a sense of uh, how long it is? Because I think of those yeah. old games being uh, longer than, you know, they games generally are today. According to like the PR statement, is it's nine to twelve hours for me? Okay. My playtime, I don't really remember offhand. I think it was maybe a little bit north of that. Oh, really? Uh, okay. I will say too, as far as difficulty, just explore a lot and make sure you level. Like when you can find the rot too in the world, um, which is something I really like about the game. I think the as much as I mentioned, like oh, the design's a little archaic. I do think some of the um, puzzle and exploration does remind me a little bit of Breath of the Wild. Obviously not that good. Right. Not quite that level, All but right. it does have some of that Koroxide energy where you do things like, okay, I'm placing th th three statues need to be put in these little panels and I go out and I find them and the rock carry them over. Or like, okay, I pick up this log and there's like one of the rocks hiding underneath it and now I add that to my, you know, arsenal and I level up my ability. So I think it took me a while to like level up my stuff because now my boyfriend's playing and he's like, way higher leveled than I was earlier in the game. And I'm like, well, now you have like all these abilities. Well, I was just struggling because I can't parry. Um, there's also a parry in this game. So yeah, a lot <laughs> going on. I think the combat though is, is really what shines in it. And I think that is yeah. what helps differentiate it from just another thing that feels like a little bit old because the combat is like so freaking good. Um, and hmm. for me, it was like, I don't know what your read on the difficulty has been, but for me, it was harder than Death's Door. Like I had more struggle here than in Death's Door. It is one of those things, yeah, it's deceptive. At a certain point, I was like, am I really bad at this game? And so look, I'm not proud of it. Maybe There's I should be. Mode. Yeah, this morning I was like, you know what? I want to get more in before I'm podcasting, bumping it down to easy just to get over this boss fight. And I do think that's the way I'm going to keep it. It's such a smooth, beautiful I, game. I did that like, at the... You did I it. did that toward the end just because I'm like, I want to knock this out. But then it felt like a little too easy for me. And then That's I kind of lost some of the flavor. I want something in between because I was just a little too frustrated with that normal. Yeah. I would love, um, and you know, if they continue with this franchise or, or just from the future games, I would just love a little bit. If, if they're going to continue to lean into, we do difficult combat. Yeah. Um, I would love for them to have more nuanced difficulty sliders or something. Like if right, I could just right. slow down the parry. Like I just needed a little bit of help to not... Um, be screaming at everybody around me like yeah. just a, just a little bit that's fair 
Um, also, it's very important. It, you should know that there's a button to kiss your rot in this game. So it's yeah, uh, which sounds gross and dangerous. But they make it like the COVID, cutest thing you've ever seen in your cute. life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's the best rot kiss I could imagine. Um, but yeah, Kana Bridge of Spirits, check it out. At least look at a video just trying to refresh your memory of what this thing looks like because they've shown it off in a lot of state of plays and PlayStation stuff. But it's it's a very cool game to have on your PS5 if you want a, a big old school action adventure. Hey, Leo, what's up? Hey, man, I'm going to tell you what's up. I have been so curious about your take on Deathloop. Janet was on last week, talked all about it, but uh, Mr. Hitman Boy, I'm very curious what you think about it. And Jacob Geller, I mean, is a big fan of Arcane stuff. I feel like this is a dream team for talking Deathloop, so I don't know. And let me tell you, Ben, Leo and I's stories about Deathloop, intermixed. Really? <laughs> there, there is some overlap. Someone right. Juliana or something? Like, what's going on? I'm excited. Interesting. Well, hey, Leo, just with the pitch of your voice, make a sound that conveys your excitement about Deathloop right now, please. Did I come through? It came through so beautifully. Do me, I could do it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take it away, ma'am. <laughs> right. Now I understand. So it's not a squeal, it's not a shriek, but positive. Is that is that where we're at? I, it's very positive. Very positive. Oh, okay. That's very well. Really, God, what, what would have bad him sounded like? <laughs> oh, okay. So the higher is just like how high the pitch is. Yeah, when it's bad, right. it sounds like he's moving a chair across a hardwood floor. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. What right. the, what's your experience so far, Leo? Regale us. No, I think we summed it up. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I love Deathloop. I think it's a wonderfully made game with a lot of unique things about it that make like the typical stuff you do in a game of, you know, grinding for the trinkets, the powers you get. Yeah. Like really not repetitive, really interesting every time. And I am particularly in love with the invasion system. Really? Is my favorite. It's so it's terrible. First off, I'll let's say that. It's terrible. <laughs> what? Half the time you invade as Juliana, you're jumping around laggy, like jumping back 10 feet every time you move forward, and really? it's just unplayable. They give Juliana all the best stuff right away, so if she wants to, she can just walk up to you and use the Havoc slab and kill you with while taking no damage and doing double damage. I think what damage. you get is random, though, because I, didn't, I don't got the Havoc slab as Juliana. Oh. Okay. Well, I get, I you get Nexus everything pretty I'm fast. I'm out here. <laughs> Yeah, Nexus is not useful. But I think when both players are playing it in a cat and mousey way of like, let's use all the mechanics to have an interesting encounter, it's all the highlights of the game for me have been different invasion moments. And let me tell you, yeah, I'm invaded every single time because the game is really hot right now. So having it in online mode every single level, the second I walk out the door, it says Juliana's on the hunt. And, and you're still enjoying that. Like just I am, and it's wow. really stretching out my playtime. Like I have these long fights with Juliana that really like add a lot to it. I'm at like 18 hours right now, and I feel like I have at least five hours to go. Oh, nice in the story. What's this overlap with uh, Mr. Geller? Did you torture that poor soul? I invaded him while so, he was. <laughs> yeah, you can start. So, so here's here's the story from my end. Is I was playing Deathloop, I uh, I paused the game or. I pressed escape on the game because I was going to talk to my mom. Uh, When I came back, I had been killed once. And then I had a text from Leo saying, where are you? I've invaded you. And I my like my character had died and then reversed back into the bunker because when you're playing as Colt, you get like three lives. Yeah. Um, And so I was stuck in a place that Leo just couldn't get to. And and I had 
been chatting happily with my mom. Um, and and so then I uh, came out and uh, Leo killed me again. And then then there is a little bit there's a little bit of intrigue, but I'll say I like Deathloop. Online has been turned off because of Leo Vader. Yeah, you can't even enjoy a chat with your mother without Leo torturing your experience. I like I'm just I like mean, pacing just, like an animal outside this door while you're trying to ask about your mother's day. I assume Jacob was AFK because I was going around the map and I saw, oh, every enemy is still alive. <laughs> and, but I eventually found him crouched behind a rock because you can't pause because you could get invaded at any moment. So right. keep it going. I just so me finding him behind the rock, I said, you know what? I'll take this kill for me. I worked hard enough to find him. I mean, first off, I don't know how online works. Second off, couldn't if there's no one who is currently invaded and a player press esca- presses escape, couldn't you just turn off their invasion thing for like that time period? These kind of like these games where you can't pause really bugs me just because it's like life happens. Um, yeah, I, that's fair. I don't I don't like them. I, I don't like the invasions and I like Deathloop, but I my experience has been I get invaded Juliana has massively better gear than me uh, and and kills me very quickly. But even if that's not the case, I mean, Colt has many advantages. Colt gets to die three times. Colt can like doesn't have to kill Juliana and can instead kind of hack her little jamming signal and then leave. And that counts as like a victory kind of for you. But those two things mean either I just die three times in a row to Juliana because I'm just repeatedly killed by her. Or like when I was invaded by Leo, I managed to hack his little jamming signal. But then if I left the level, time progresses, which means that the things that I wanted to do in that level, which I had prepared for right earlier in the day, you just have to give up those things and it just feels like such a like well do you want to die or do you want to have the time you've already spent wasted uh so i have turned off online invasions and i'm being now invaded by the ai juliana who's truly one of the dumbest ais i've ever (laughs) seen and yeah it's like stuck on a rock every time she comes in and then i just shoot her in the head yeah i I mean that's what i like about it is that it's a truly unpredictable element like it's a player that could have have any loadout and again they could choose a really messed up one <laughs> but i think i've luckily avoided that it's like a lot of people looking to kill me a specific way that is fun for them and the intrigue that we alluded to oh yes was um i had proximity mines all around the place jacob had to hack so if he got away from me and got to the hack place i would hear a mine go off ideally and i'd be able to go stop him and then other plans fell through and i just went back and hung out by the signal and then he hacked it while I was there. And I said, oh, he must have a long range hack thing on, which must have, which turned out to be true. He had a long range hack trinket, which changed how that encounter went, which is super cool. And then there was a little hallway where we were kind of having a snipe off in. And then I decided not to shoot him and instead held the tag, which as Juliana just tells every enemy where he is. <laughs> and then he tried to escape and he got killed by the AI. Yeah. And it was just that thing where it's like, well, I successfully hacked it. So I probably could have escaped and then the only thing i lose is my time and preparation <laughs> it's, it's real bad <laughs> uh, to me this feels almost like an an evolve situation where like i bet playing it in the studio with other people who were like super on board with the invasion mechanic 
was like the most fun thing in the world. Right. But like when you just get like an OP player who's like, I'm going to ruin this guy's day or like me, you're just trying to accomplish something. And again, every single time you enter an area, you get invaded because the game is so hot right now. It just it, it felt less like an addition to the game and more like taking me away from the really cool level and mission design and all of that because i do really like all of that and I want to make you're that an clear. environmental lad that is i understand what you want to go for but i mean that's like why you can set it for just friends only right it seems like that's kind of the the sweet well, spot for this that's thing. what i had We're not online me. oh <laughs> you know? and then i guess yeah you can't do it yeah not online and at all. single player though and yeah. i guess the reason that i feel bad about doing single player is like it's the game's whole shtick you know yeah. like it, it it just feels bad to I feel like I'm missing out on a core component because it's like the main menu is like here's Colt and here's Giuliano like a, a battle for the ages. And so I like I feel like I'm depriving myself of something by not doing it. But I'm also not having fun when it's on. So I don't know. It's tough. Yeah. Well, Janet, I remember you were like, I don't know. It seemed like last time we talked last week, you weren't too into that aspect or hadn't really come up too much but like is that kind of the longevity of the game for you now is just diving more into it and doing more juliana stuff yeah like i actually so you know i played the bulk of it pre-release so like there was a point in the review time where they let you like have online but i'm like what i have like two friends on there that are media people yeah one of them's blessing i don't want blessing to kill me he's really good at the game so i'm like yeah i'm trying to beat the game like we're talking so yeah i had it on um just like I, I did have it on online mode at one point for a little while, and I don't know if those were real people or not. And then I just turned it to single just to be sure, because I'm like, right. I don't want to do all that. Um, but for me now, like my my boyfriend had started playing it. So I'm like, OK, cool. Like he came onto my stream to do it. And I'm like, oh, I'll set up the Juliana thing. And he's way better than me at um, stuff that's like more twitchy and stuff that's shooter. Y'all know I don't I don't be shooting like that. I spent all of Deathloop <laughs> slowly just stabbing people walking away invisible right, like it's, right. it's, it's been it was so long which is hilarious because i watched him play he's shifting all around i'm like that looks boring to me like i liked what i did but what i did look boring to him because i was just like hiding in the shadows like for right. 20 minutes um but you know we all have different styles so i i've invaded his game a bunch um i can never kill this man um but i do ruin his time which is nice like nice. he does say it's super stressful even though i have i only got one win and it was like kind of a technicality where I, I did do significant damage but like he got killed kind of on his way to try to leave after doing what he needed to do um but i felt i felt that win and i went to bed peacefully that night and he went to bed salty so that's what that's that that's my memory of it and it's it is very exciting even as someone that personally like i'm not very good at being juliana which is hilarious because the whole thing's like Juliana's on the hunt, and like if the player's supposed to be really intimidated, but I'm the one that's scared. I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want to go. Should I wait by the antenna? Should I not? Oh my god, he can. Or like, I in my first invasion, I was just running around. He's like, oh, I totally like, I totally just see you just running around there. Right, and I, right. Eventually, I got a little better, and like it helps when you start to like know what's going on. And I do like the, I do feel like it's it's given me a deeper appreciation for the game because like Leo was mentioning, like you start to have to sort of figure out or predict or get to know who's on that other end even if you don't know who they are so like at a certain point um my boyfriend had picked up the gun that it does like gas damage like when Mm. you shoot the bullets or whatever and i was like okay that's that's really you know creating else for me so then i put on a buff that turns that into health for me so i'm like okay cool you're gonna shoot me i'm just gonna gain health or i added like i just have a different kind of loadout based on 
trying to fit what his loadout is or like I had in my mind how he'd come up an area like there's an area that's very like vertical and it's flooded with enemies and I'm like okay well when he comes through everyone's gonna know he's there and then I'm gonna wait and I set up like all these mines and I'm like I'm waiting uh, only for and then I changed my appearance to an NPC only for him to come through the back door and accidentally kill me thinking I was an NPC but <laughs> actually I was Juliana and I was like oh my god like it, and it's just all these weird stories uh that pop up and these tensions and me trying to figure out okay well I did this as me, but if you, if I was you, where would I be? It's just crazy. And I, I have a really good time with it, but it is highly stressful. Um, and personally, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily think that you need to play it to get to me the full experience of the game. I just think it's like a fun thing to do if you want to do it. Like in, in Demon Souls, like I kind of hate that too. And I'm like, right. who's this player that like, you know, enjoys ruining my very difficult run. You know, like this person sucks, but you can toggle that off. So I feel like it's totally fair to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree that it's not necessary. And I think that they turn it on too early. Like part of the reason it's so frustrating is because it's happening to you when you don't have enough abilities to deal with enemies reliably. Right. Like never mind this player that is as strong or stronger than you. It's it's also a little weird that like the game feels very it's like I'm playing this almost pure stealth and I'm really enjoying that and I'm like my two guns that I have infused which means I can like take them back are like essentially a silenced pistol and a sniper rifle and like those two things are so fun to like play through the game's rule set with and then I get invaded and I'm like, I can't do anything like I, those two guns just cannot deal with another player at all. Yeah. And so I feel like I was super pre- prepared for how the game was playing and then I wasn't. And maybe that's fun. And it's like, oh, you should have diversified more. But it just feels like I was able to play exactly the way I wanted. Uh, and then I get invaded and it's like, well, you should have picked up a shotgun because like that's what would get you out of this situation. Yeah, I definitely have my stealth normal game gun and my Juliana gun. I bring two guns <laughs> each time and that's what they are. Carbon but I think it's very it. satisfying that way. Like, honestly, the more I play those encounters, the more I win as Colt and the more you win as Colt. Julian is just delivering you slab upgrades and extremely good weapons and eight trinkets just like for free. If you have Carnesis and the suspension upgrade, you grab her and throw her and she hangs in the air and you empty a clip into her head and she's done. I had to get rid of that upgrade because it made it too easy. <laughs> it's just to a of perks. Yeah. Yeah. She's- so, I mean, pl- planning for it is necessary if you want to have it on, especially like we're talking about. You're going to fight her every single time you possibly can. Yeah. But yeah, it's been very rewarding for me. I'm curious, uh, you know, you being a stealth lad, Leo, and and with your Hitman experience, like, what do you think about the way this game kind of guides you through? I'm curious if the hardcore fans of this type of game see it as eh, baby mode, turn all those objective markers off. That's how I felt about it at first. I mean, yeah. not like in that negative of a way, but well, very. Not. You're not this a monster. Is as handholdy as they could have been totally. with this concept, which I think is overall a good thing. Like okay. very. Like, no one's going to be turned off. No one's going to not be able to finish it. And I have been encouraged by the more I play it, the more I find these little things like, oh, that didn't get added to my journal. And I just have to literally write that down or take a screenshot of it and remember it. Yeah. Like, those things are hidden in there for players who really want to investigate. Okay. And I think that's a good sweet spot for it. Yeah. It seems like a really good multiple playthroughs game. Like, I could imagine this being something where it's like the first time I play through is the tutorial and the second time i play through is like when i really you know go wild and then i can you know i know what the levels are doing and so i can not just follow quest markers but really like set up my own stuff 
Yeah. Do you think, Leo, in your heart of hearts, that it's going to be game of the year for Minmax? It has a great shot. I think it's my game of the year right now. Okay. It's my game of the year right now. I think I think a lot of outlets are going to go for it. Who knows? There's still things that are coming out. I mean, what, Far Cry 6 going to dethrone this? No. Halo Infinite? No. Y'all Halo, really baby. forgetting Before Your Eyes so quickly? Look, I think Before Your Eyes... Before Your Eyes is really good. I will fight you for Before Your Eyes. Where you, I think that's yeah. where you were when we talked, maybe. Oh, the last yeah, episode. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Thank you. I Go do, play it. No one, no one wants to play it. Go play this game. It's people really forget good. about it. Yeah, I do think that's going to be a surprise. Like, when we're talking about Game of the Year stuff, I think we're all going to be pushing for Before Your Eyes so hard that people are going to be like, what was that? I don't even remember the name of that game, but please, everybody, don't forget about Before Your Eyes. <laughs> And Balan Wonderworld, please. There's these huge <laughs> games from earlier this year. Go back and check them out. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be the cool choice for game of the year, and I think I bet it's going to mop the hell up for so many outlets. It's wonderful. It's a really refreshing game. Like even just aesthetically and the way it plays and the way the powers are used creatively, like feels very new. And that's like not even to mention the whole structure being something I've never seen before. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, Deathloop, everybody. Let us know what you think. Let us know how your thoughts are evolving with it. Uh, Jacob Geller. Yes. I now want to talk about this other game that's called Severed Steel. I checked it out a little bit uh, last night. What was your pitch? I'm trying to remember how you explained it to me as in like, this is this is the hottest thing in town. All right. So... Titanfall, okay. Plus Max Payne, plus destructible environments. Uh, plus it's just one of those like super hardcore synth wavy games where it's like electro bangers while you're playing. So <laughs> yes, it, yes, you can imagine that. But like I, I don't think it was just a coincidence. But I think like during the tutorial when you do your first slide across the floor, I think that's when they drop the first beat and like hit you with then this this tone that does not let up. Yeah. So so what it is is a a first person shooter where you have a lot of you know movement abilities you have a lot of acrobatic abilities so much so that it 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 barely makes sense i mean you can double jump and then you can dive and the dive is like it's like a super mario long jump like you just go flying through the air and you can do it with like no momentum you can just start off and then you can slow time at any time, but especially if you're doing a dive or a slide or something, you get like unlimited slow-mo um, and you're just running through these levels super fast, picking up guns, kicking dudes, shooting dudes. Uh, <laughs> and, it, and it's a great time. Yeah, it's, it's a good week for kicking. Like the kick in Deathloop, everybody That's says right. is so ridiculously overpowered. Then the kick in this one is just absurd. And you can also like kick off the walls as you're moving up and stuff like it's it's really going all out. But like it definitely feels a little bit like there's some super hot elements in there, like a real time fast paced super yes. hot or something. Yeah, because it's it would be incredibly difficult to play it in real time. Like, you yeah. know, the the you die so fast and the enemies react so fast that the slow mo is near required at least while you're like really getting used to the the different movement mechanics and right, stuff. Right, right. Um but it's just it's like it's a it's a kind of reaching perfection game, which is which is one of my favorite genres of like it's pretty short uh but like again the first time I beat it I was like that was the training round and then I bumped the difficulty up and did it again and felt like 
I was just immediately felt myself getting so much better at the same game and the same levels just because they give you so much flexibility in the movement. And you can blast holes in all the walls. Like you can that shoot good. through good. the walls, which is, I mean, speedruns of this game are going to be just bananas because it's going to be like some dude is just going to shoot like diagonally into a wall three times and be at the exit. And like that <laughs> will be how they go. Yeah. Um, Leo, have you checked out Severed Steel at all yet? Is him up your alley? I beat the demo. I thought it was really fun, but I feel like a lot of indie games, their pitches you dive and you do slow-mo and you shoot bullets and you kill fast and it's all about killing and you got cool guns and you shoot two of them at the same time. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like a, a common pitch for, for, for indie games. I feel like I've seen, but do it's, you feel like it stands out in key ways? It's true. I mean, I feel like a lot of those games are good, honestly, but <laughs> yes, I do. I do think this, I mean, it's like something small, but that really kind of like just, indicates the kind of gonzo-ness of this game for me is like when you're diving forward you can aim fully like underneath behind you like i'm trying to (laughs) figure out how to make this make sense like you know if you picture your character you're going like this you can just like shoot behind your back and keep going forward and that is not only like optional but like a necessary move to just be like moving in one direction and shooting in the complete opposite direction and then you can like hit the ground and immediately go from a dive into a slide and just kind of chain together this 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 train of movement and it's it's just really sometimes i just want to play you know kind of like just a zero fat game where it's like no story the tutorial takes like five seconds right you know you're just kind of in this and you can go through the levels incredibly quickly if you know what you're doing and it's fun as hell yeah i saw some i also like that you could dive onto a cart and the cart would move while you're on it and you can shoot from there very john woo stranglehold that's pretty good that's pretty good yeah, it's weird. It kind of seems a little bit like Boomerang X. I don't know if you played that earlier this year, but it's yeah, kind of like the fast-paced uh, first-person stuff. Very, very similar energy to that. Yeah. I I like this one a little more just because you get they have like lots of different guns, which give it a little different feel. Whereas Boomerang X is really just you got your boomerang, right? Um, but if you liked Boomerang X, I could heartily recommend this game. Yeah, Severed Steel, everybody. I'd imagine Steam only at this point. Yes, yes. I think it's on PlayStation. Is maybe? it really? Uh, but I can't imagine playing it without a mouse. I have to say, it seems like one of those games where it's just like mouse aiming is is near required. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah, it is totally on PlayStation. I'll be damned. Yeah, it seems like it's on... Is it on everything? Holy is crap, it's on everything. It's on Switch. Switch? Is yeah. Is it on... Like... Is that is that real? I think <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. All right. Severed Steel. You probably accidentally already own it because it is everywhere. Apparently. Um, hey, uh, real quick. I I feel guilty for talking about this game, but Shame Leo, on you. I know I just want you to have patience with me and my taste, please. Uh, but Age of Empires Four, everybody announced back in 2017. It's been a long road to get here, but uh, this last weekend they had a technical stress test. It's kind of an online beta thing where they had, you know, some online modes you could jump in there and play. And they just had like, um, they had the words technical stress test 
on the screen and it was like bouncing around like a screensaver just to really drive home like <laughs> no one be mad this game comes out at the end of october we still have time to fix anything that's annoying you right now uh, and there are a couple bugs here and there but overall age of empires 4 diving in and playing uh, i played like each of the four sieves that are in there I, it made me very very happy and definitely the rts fans are out there saying like it's too conservative it's basically an age of empires 2 remake but it is telling that jumping into this game, it was just like a nice warm bath. It's like, I know exactly what to do somehow for this new game. It feels like, you know, the, the most jarring thing is, oh, okay, like the mouse momentum feels a little bit different from other age games. But <laughs> other than that, like you get the idea and I get it that the hardcore fans are going to be upset about it being too conservative and not reinventing the wheel or anything. But for like them going back to basically Age of Empires 2, the best-selling age game, and then just building it up from that install base, hopefully with a broad enough brush to rope in anybody who used to like these RTS games. I am very much rooting for this thing um, because it's just it's just a nice RTS. And I think people are scared of RTS games. Yes, Jacob Geller, because you imagine it's a lot of people screaming and APMs and everything like that. Not this the, one. the screaming is what really sets me off. Well, I don't want screaming in my games. Well, then actually this might not be a good game for you because one thing that really <laughs> stood out to me, at least in this uh, technical stress test, was I wasn't screaming, but every unit in combat is screaming almost at all times. And not like, oh, my arm, my arm. But everyone's just like, charge! Basically, everyone's doing the charge stream all, uh, scream all the time, which I guess is probably something like realism. I don't really understand it, but that's a lot. And the other big thing... If you were that high up, you wouldn't be able to hear it. It's not realistic. That is true. That is true. Uh, the other thing that the community has really latched onto in a silly way is every time you click on your town center, uh, which you're doing a lot in these games to make new villagers and all that stuff, uh, it has like a little bell sound, like a ding, ding. But for whatever reason, I don't know how the devs didn't catch this, it just feels like that bell is twice as loud as anything else. And so basically the entire time you're playing Age of Empires 4 is ding, 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 ding. And so they have just come out now and embraced it and tweeted out like, don't worry, everybody. We will be quieting the bell. <laughs> it's a, it's a bit obnoxious. Ding. Yeah, come on, Microsoft fans. Let's get the, let's get the ding trending out there. Uh, but Do you yeah. think it's possible that this will have like a, like when Crusader Kings came out, there were just like a lot of people there's like for a relatively inaccessible game there are a lot of people like oh crusader kings 3 amazing here's the stuff that i did will that happen or is this gonna stay just like th the real heads are the only people who are gonna play this i i hope that i think they've already kind of you know tried to lure in this crowd again and again with the remakes and remasters and everything but no i don't think it's gonna bring out a whole new audience but i hope that it at least rekindles some love for the genre from everybody who's dabbled a little bit in any of these games in the past because just to have like a friendly rts to go into but you're not sweating bullets and checking out build orders and realizing like wow now my, this game is screwed in the first 30 seconds because i messed up where i placed the gateway or whatever in starcraft like it's just such a soft approach you have i mean it took me in my first game like eight and a half minutes to get to the second age but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I think it's gonna be like a friendlier crowd. Although I gotta say, I am outraged that this is like, you know, technical stress test for Age of Empires Four. This is pretty select stuff, and still, very few people were willing to talk to me. 
And like that's that's the golden age of RTSs in my mind is like going on there and starting a game, be like, hey, good luck, have fun. Or I, I try to be like, hey, what do you think of the stress test so far? Silence. Everybody just stonewalling me, trying to focus on this. Leo, they're not remembering that the core of the RTS genre is playing with friends. It's communicating. It's being silly, you know? Yeah. I mean, hopefully they don't just have you blocked or have text chat off. It's maybe there are monsters like that. I hope they're at least seeing my messages of goodwill because I'm trying to be friendly out there. Dang it. <laughs> the people who turn off text chat aren't the monsters. They've been victims of monsters in the past. You're right. I, I can assure you. <laughs> You're probably <laughs> That's what's going right. On. Oh, no. It's yeah. so sad. Anyways, yeah, Age of Empires 4. I think there's, I mean, it's small additions like, hey, you know, they're rearranging the hotkeys to be smarter so you have a quicker placement instead of just E to build a house. Uh, no. Well, I guess that's a bad example, but you get the idea. You're really selling this. I know. <laughs> it's so tough hotkeys. to talk about. It's like, oh, and like now when you're going to the next age, you do that by building a building instead of taking up your town center uh, with actually advancing to the next age, you can still cre- keep cranking out villagers. It's a bunch of like little small things. The way that the priest converts people is not one unit at a time, which is kind of classic age. Now it's kind of like a radius, kind of like the meteor and age of mythology. So there's a lot of very finicky things. But if you're interested in Age of Empires 4, I promise we'll be streaming it. I know uh, best friend Ronnie and Grant are very excited about it. So we'll dive into the weeds there. I won't bore everybody here, but... And everything was, it was just a technical test. Like in the final version, the text bouncing around will say final version. It will. Yeah, everybody please keep (laughs) that in mind. Uh, Yeah, it's kind of at the end of October. I'm very, very much looking forward to it. It really felt like saying hello to an old friend. That doesn't look great, but they (laughs) they seem solid. Um, I'm happy for you. Hey, thanks so much, man. Uh, But hey, Jacob Geller, do you know how this whole thing operates? Uh, online invasions. Online invasions primarily. That's no right. Patreon.com slash minmax with two ends, everybody. If you like this show, you can support it or join it by going to patreon.com slash minmax with two ends. Find the tier that's right for you. We have so many options in there. Dig through. See what we got. Cruise around. We just released a commentary track for The Matrix. Uh, if you want to help get excited about Matrix Resurrections, help the world get excited about Matrix Resurrections, <laughs> uh, you can go listen to our full commentary track for or the original film. Uh, you can listen to that on your favorite podcast app if you go Are you going to do the sequels, Ben? No, we're not. We're not. I watched both sequels this Sunday. What? They rock. Really? I, big fan. <laughs> All right. Well, we had Alex Grenling, who's a designer at Bungie. Uh, he's also, he designed Trivia Tower and stuff. And he was on, he was a big sequel defender. So there's there's plenty of that in there. But I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad other people like it. I like hearing people talk about the sequels so much more than I like watching the sequels. It's just night and day. <laughs> um, but anyways, thank you to our biggest supporters over there on Patreon, like Fatal X Blade. He wants everybody to know. He says... Look at this, Leo. Lucas, a fellow patron, wants you to check out his YouTube channel, Fatal X Blade. That's Fatal X Blade with two spaces. His YouTube channel is primarily focused on highly edited reviews on the newest games. Each review features a short parody at the beginning of the video. He typically uploads every other week, so head on over to his channel, subscribe, and leave him some feedback. Currently, he's working his way through Tales of Arise and just started Kana, Bridge of Spirits as well. So Fatal X Blade on YouTube, go over there and leave a comment. Give him a sub. He supports us, so it's the least you could do. We appreciate it, Fatal X Blade. Leo, isn't it nice when it's like people's channels, people's podcasts from the community, that that's what we're highlighting on the show? It's just beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, and I'm looking at it like you asked me to, and this editing's great. It's fun, yeah. He's going for skits every once in a while. (laughs) It's really (laughs) sad. It's like, I guess we're like professional video people, Leo, and then it's sad that you just 
cruise around and be like, how's everybody else doing? And it, you're just annihilated. It's like seeing the competition in Smash Brothers. It's just embarrassing out there. These eighth graders are really sure. good. I bet, oh, most eighth graders are better at uh, video production than I am. Hey, but look at this. Uh, Fixture Gaming is also supporting MinMax in a huge way. Uh, in Fixture Gaming, they have the Fixture S1. It is a mount that you clip onto your Switch Pro controller so you can play with the Switch's best controller on the go. So it's a mount, clip it onto that Pro controller, slide your Switch screen onto there, and it's beautiful gaming. You can check it out. You can also get the carrying case bundle, but the Fixture S1 on its own is $35. And you can use the promo code MINMAX for $5 off the Fixture S1. There's a link in the description if you want to check this thing out. We're giving them away all month long. Uh, last week, the winner on Instagram was Nicholas Cole. Congratulations, Nicholas Cole. You had a custom Fixture S1 from Fixture Gaming. And now for this week, everybody, if you go over to the wonderful land of Facebook and you follow, like, whatever the hell you do on to MinMax over on Facebook, do that. Check out MinMax on Facebook and we will have a post there and you have a very, very good chance of winning a Fixture S1 over there because we don't have many followers on Facebook. So jump over there and you can win a Fixture S1. We'll have a randomized uh, giveaway coming up very soon. So thank you to everybody who supports Fixture Gaming. Also, thanks to iM8Bit. They want everybody to know about the Mutazion double vinyl soundtrack. It's the adventure game from a while ago. It's a double vinyl soundtrack with music by Alessandro Corona. So you can check that out. The album art is by Nils Denikin. As always, it looks beautiful. Comes with the MP3 download code as well. And check out everything in iMateBit's wonderful online store. Everything under $100 you can get 10% off of if you use the promo code WAKEMEUP. Wake me up. One word, no space. Wake me up for ten percent off everything in I made. That's not the song that I was thinking of. I know it's always confusing. It's always evanescence. Obviously, obviously, I thought so too. The point is, go to I made bits, wonderful online store. Check it out. Uh, Help support them because each and every week they ship out a prize to the MinMax community. Everybody supports us at any tier on Patreon. Even the two dollar tier can submit a question for us to read on the show. We're going to choose the number one absolute favorite question of the week, and that person wins a prize. This week it is the Pathless double vinyl soundtrack composed by friend of the show Austin Winery. So one of Kyle's favorite games from last year, you can win the vinyl soundtrack just by submitting a great question for us to read. So thank you to I am 8-bit. All right. Y'all ready to go? Hang on. Woo! Oh, we got a woo! <laughs> Discord's so judgmental. They, what they, noises it allows through. They're what anti- noises it thinks are cars honking outside. <laughs> Anti-excitement. That's Beep. how I show excitement. Uh, mm-hmm. Doreen Claire writes in and says, Hey, y'all, Janet had a thread on Twitter about Kena and indie games, and it got me thinking. How much does it impact your score curve if a game is indie or not? What about if it's a first game? Score curve is weird. I guess we don't really give scores. You don't give scores over a kind of funny idea, Janet. No. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting question. How much does it impact your, I guess, perception of a game or the way you talk about it? Do you think it has an impact on you, Janet? It does not. <laughs> that yeah. was what my throat was about. Um, a lot of people, and I think it's totally fair to contextualize a game's release, um, especially if we're talking about, like, what is the future of the studio? Or are we excited to see more projects from them and right. things like that? Um, and I, I think it's it's fair to have context and important to give context to people. But ultimately for me as a critic, I feel like my job's to come here and tell you if it's good. Like some people, and I've had plenty of, I've done plenty of formal reviews that I do score, you know, whether it's at IGN or at my own outlet now, Panda Pixels. And I remember reading like the comments on my um, Sea of Solitude review and they're like, 
oh, I mean, yeah, sure. You, I think it was a six. Um, and they're like, I mean, yeah, but like, it's such a small team. It's like, right. It's, that means it's like an eight. I'm like, it don't make the game better. And like, hey, no shade to that team. Like, I really like EA Originals. I talked to the developer. I think there was like ideas, blah, blah, caveat, caveat. But I'm like, look, I'm not going to. I feel like it's more insulting to handle an indie project with kid critic gloves because totally. you're small. So like, I'm going to be actually like, I don't think that's nice. I think that's just being disingenuous <laughs> personally yeah. so yeah i'm like i i rate the same and i i compared it to um in the thread the food that my family makes like we're always cooking all the time and trying new stuff i'm like yeah and you know after each new meal we kind of ask each other like oh what'd you think like should this be in the rotation is it good and i'm never like yeah it's pretty good at when considering that you know it's your first time making it and uh, you're not a professional chef like i don't want to eat the sandwich because it didn't taste good like right, totally. ain't nothing wrong with it like it's hard to make good stuff um <laughs> but yeah I, I treat it exactly the same and i think there's a space like especially in the podcast world to like give a shout out to the team of like hey, that's crazy like kena is a pretty wildly ambitious and successful first game for ember labs but that doesn't mean that you should spend your money on it necessarily you know but well, if you it's like what do you think about it right like right, for me right. like i i think kina's great like i yeah. legitimately think it's great no asterisk i don't care who made it 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 was it was great like i really enjoy the game and i recommend it um like people always want to do the whole oh well like for like people won't like a game and then they're like oh but it's only 30 dollars, so like maybe you should check it out why you said you didn't like it like why would i check well. it out for just because it's cheaper i mean for me again that's that's an audience thing. Like there are, you know, we all have different budgets and things. And maybe you're someone who's like, you know what? I ain't dropping 70 unless it's like a nine out of 10, unless it's game of the year contender. Right, totally. That's not how I play, but I don't have your budget. Like I don't got your bills. Like if that's what you want to do, go for it. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm out here playing games that end up being horrible at $3 <laughs> a piece on the eShop. Cause I'm just, that's, that's my vibe. Like I Let's like to, it. you know, yeah. take a gamble on things, but your vibe like, is $3 tell you if it's good or game. not. Yes. Yeah. I yeah, like, I mean, you know, what's, yeah. Anyway, I could go on forever, but that's my take. I think <laughs> I have, I have generally the same take with, with kind of a, a different perspective on it. I mean, one, I do think it's okay to spend money on things because they're, because there are other reasons than just the game is great. I think yeah. if you really respect a studio's culture, it's good to buy their games. You know, it's like, it's the same reason that like I might buy local meat, even if I can't tell the difference between that and like something that came from a slaughterhouse 500 miles away. It's like, this is better for the world right. for this thing to exist. And so if you want to vote with your dollar, you don't, you don't have to. I mean, there are many other ways to make your voice heard. I do think it's a good thing to do. Um, I also think that kind of on the other side of this, I think game reviews uh, as a whole overrate polish um and at, to the exclusion of some other things and so i think this is a good do you consider you know triple a's you know like do you do you rate them less well or more well than indies and i think a lot of very big expensive games get high marks for just being incredibly polished when i think that is uh not particularly interesting a lot of the time and so like sometimes people are like oh how could you say you like before your eyes more than god of war like look at all of the things that god of war does flawlessly and it's like yeah i won't contend with any of that but i think that the what i get out of before your eyes is just ultimately more interesting and that like holds a higher value than 
polish. And so I think we are actually inflating the scores of AAA games sometimes because we're so trained to kind of review based on certain criteria, whereas indie games can be good at really specific things. And that is what I tend to value more, not just that they were made by a small team or whatever. It's a matter of, you know, getting the point across is 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 it are you being hit on the other end of the screen by this emotion by what they're going for right by this unique feeling and i feel like the game industry this is maybe too big of a topic but like i feel like the the game industry hasn't quite fully grappled with that idea and that lesson that i feel like all of entertainment over the last couple of years with covid have learned which is we don't care where your late night show is filmed if seth myers is in his hallway filming the show effectively the same for us like it's totally fine and i think there's some lesson the game industry could learn about like get an interesting idea out there make sure it's playable obviously but like we do not need to just smooth everything down to the most beautiful polished edge like a before your eyes example imagine if they spent the time making that look like a sony santa monica level production it's like it's barely fishing kratos like they have they both have boats you know (laughs) Mm, that's true that's true Uh, but yeah it's just it's unnecessary right you can you can crank that stuff out hopefully a little bit faster uh and hopefully it's a lighter load for the team if you just realize that eh, it's okay at this point in the game industry we are accepting of things that don't look perfect um so yes going back to this question from doreen it reminds me of like the old jeff corkism of you know every time we talk about team size or like oh well it's not fair because uh, they had a their studio flooded and they were developing this game Jeff Corkman reviewing games would always just pull the not my problem. <laughs> not I I only have the game to look at. Yes. Everything else, not Which my problem. I can problem. see what people think is like mean or something, but I don't know. It's just if I you're don't putting a score on a particular, I think yeah, you got to do it. Especially in the context of a review, which is like yeah, none of this makes a difference to the consumer. Right, right. Um, let's see. Philly Eat Steak says hello to my favorite video essayists on YouTube. Look at that. Leo Vader. He <laughs> uh, says, like many others, I was completely puzzled by the release day review embargo for Kena, especially since it reviewed so strongly. But since it was a digital only game for now, yeah, there's a physical version coming out in November. Um, did it really miss out on anything by not having reviews release early? Is this a new thing that I'm just going to have to get used to? That was confusing. I was bracing for impact that this game wasn't going to be good because there were not reviews out until release day. But in my mind, I think this is just Ember Labs first time out of the gate they're publishing this thing i'm sure they were drowning and maybe not used to the concept of even like mock reviews and so maybe they wouldn't have had that idea of like we should try and get these positive review scores out earlier i i I think it's just a small team first time out of the gate problem i mean maybe they whatever advice they got from their market research said people this type of game people want will see a nine out of ten review and immediately want to go buy it and mm-hmm. they don't want to have people forgetting about it over the course of a few days it could be like i think bottom line is a lot of people read into that too much and it, you really it's not a accurate read a lot of times yeah i mean yeah. it's it's also it's not a new thing there was that thing a couple of years ago where bethesda was like we're not doing review copies for any of our games right we're just sending them out day one uh which i would say sucks like it's you know it's like it's not good for i think the industry um but it doesn't have anything to say about the game's quality itself a lot of times those decisions are not 
even made by the developers of the game you know they're just it's just like some pr person that's like this is the better strategy right it seems like that's completely out the window by now i mean death loop they were they're getting the roof yeah uh, except except they still have kotaku embargoed which seems insane but uh, but they do i feel like that full staff has rotated at kotaku at this point <laughs> yeah. like it's probably safe to, to whitelist that the classic outlet. question is it still the same site if you just <laughs> is it the kotaku? same share or is yeah. it yes <laughs> By the way, I don't know if you saw uh, Jacob Geller, that uh, new no-clip video that Danny Dwyer made that was just about the design of Deathloop and kind of the reaction and had Dingo, the director. Then my watch later. There's an interesting... Oh, with Leo Vader? Um, <laughs> no, but there was an interesting <laughs> little beat in there where uh, Dingo was talking, the game's director was talking about, like, people making the comparison to praise Mooncrash. Like, oh, that roguelite kind of DLC, standalone DLC, was that, like, good training? Obviously, it's a different studio, but it's all under the Arcane banner. Was that, like good informative design lessons for Deathloop. And he says in a video that he's like, no, actually I only played it for like a few hours. Then I realized it was a roguelite and I didn't want to play it anymore. So I was like, wow, <laughs> I just assumed that Arcane was Arcane and they were like really into each other's stuff. And, but apparently not very influential for the director, at least for Deathloop, which is interesting. Not everyone at Rockstar has played table tennis. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> It is. It does explain why, like everyone in Deathloop PR was like, "It's not a roguelike." Right. It was like right. every interview, and it's like, "Oh, because the director hates them." Apparently, <laughs> don't even mention them around; he'll freak out. Uh, Zane Dukes writes in and asks, "Is Mr. Plinkett the most influential video essayist?" This is Mr. Red Letter Media. Is he number one video essayist? This is the question. And yeah. in terms of influence. I, ha- I guess, I yeah. That's already, yeah. Look up that name. Yeah. You know, he did the Star Wars prequels was kind of the big thing that kind of kicked off Red Letter Media. They're still going strong. Then the longest videos YouTube had ever seen, the longest video essays. Yeah. Now that's Wait, par for the course, are, an hour and a half. I'm, I'm looking these up. They're 2016? Is uh, that... The answer is no. Like, that. Okay. You the, haven't seen the, them. The, no. Wow. Lots of people talking about Star Wars for five hours. <laughs> They're really oh, good. It was foundational for me. Oh, I yeah. mean, like 12 years ago or whenever it was, like there was not that type of content on YouTube at the time, at least in a way that I ever saw. Right. But and it's kind of like actually well edited music, script scripted sequences that haven't aged well unfortunate you know. scripted sequence that should be cut <laughs> oh, out no. for the director's cut. Yeah, but, I think I think I would actually differentiate like again i haven't watched these it it sounds a little more like angry video game nerd type content it's right much better it's than like they're scripted sequences and then and then you know content Jacob Keller, it's I like th- this is this is honestly some good patreon content for you is to have your video essay where you review the old video essays about the star wars prequels from red letter media i think that'd be really fascinating okay um because i think the answer is uh every frame of painting like, I, I think that pretty much every video essayist now is still doing an impression of that guy. Yep. I don't know. I don't <laughs> every know. frame of painting is incredible. Really? Like, and the fact that it went out on its I, own terms, it like exists as just this it's, great it's body like, of video essay. It, it's like it it's one of those things that emerged fully formed. You know, it's like the first every frame of painting video is exactly what video essays would be for the next, you know, eight years. Wow, I am totally. I an idiot? I've never heard You've of seen this. This the would Marvel, be such your thing. The Marvel oh, Symphonic Universe. Hang on, I'm about looking music and Marvel movies. 
Oh, yes, yes, yes. Also, I'm looking at this and it looks like I have watched their piece on Edgar Wright, how to do visual comedy. So apparently yeah. it's come through my feed at some point. I, I literally just recently was thinking about doing a video on like fight scenes and fight scene choreography. And I was really like that Jackie Chan video from Every Frame Painting. Like that says every that's eight minutes long and says everything that will ever need to be said about a fight scene. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're 30 minutes on the Stuart Little lore. So we can't whittle it down any bit. Oh, yeah. every, every bit is crucial. Every frame of painting could have done that We're going to be feeling talks. that video for years. <laughs> uh, okay, so I guess not Mr. Blinkett. I don't know. For me, I think I think that's maybe the one I think of for kind of kicking off YouTube. But I get it. I get it. Uh, Jared R. Meyer writes in and says, hello, everybody. Hello. Hi. Okay. Good job, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> On a recent MinMax Council, uh, that's our Patreon-exclusive podcast releasing every Monday, by the way, um, there was some great advice about breaking into the video game industry. I enjoyed the positive energy, but I think I'd like a taste of the opposite end of the spectrum, a slap of reality. What are some hard truths, both about breaking me, about breaking <laughs> into and being in the industry? The parts people don't talk about, the things that may deter people from breaking in. Don't get me wrong, it seems amazing, but while I often hear about the pitfalls and difficulties of game development, I never hear about the harsh realities of the media side. Thanks for all the amazing content. Uh, we follow different people on Twitter. <laughs> we hear a lot about the pitfalls. <laughs> a lot of, the of complaining. Do they mean like what's hard? Like. Like what sucks about being in the industry or what's what's hard about getting into the industry? It seems largely about breaking in. Yeah. The things okay. that may deter people from breaking in is how he refers to it ambiguously. Yeah. Any big thoughts on this one? I got a lot. I'm going to let people go first. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, it, you know, just to start with, it's a lot of our commitment for not much money. If you are lucky enough to have like a pitch accepted, like just yeah. if you... You know, I, I think we all do this. We discount the hours that we spend because it's playing games and it's something that you like to do. But like even, you know, like a mid tier review for somewhere like you're if you break down the hourly rate of like how long you spend playing a game, how long you spend writing a review. It's just like it's really not a lot of money. Right. And getting those gigs is hard. Like that, it's a victory if you get like a, you know, a pitch picked up or whatever. And so it's like, you know, it, a lot of people have, uh, you know, other jobs or whatever doing this. But it's like it's a it's just a big investment to even get started in. And now you're like a wild success, Jacob Geller, with your own YouTube channel and you're doing a bunch of freelance stuff all over the place and whatnot. Right, you're still doing stuff with Polygon every once in a while? Occasionally, yeah. Okay, nice. Here's a, here's a broad one. Here's a dark truth. Do you feel happier by and large than you did five years ago? In my job? Oh! Uh, you know, there's a lot of other stuff that's happened in the past five years. Yeah, maybe that's complicated. Like, I, am, I am career satisfied in a really meaningful way, I think. And that improves, um, you think, your overall level enough? To have an impact on your in your total percentage meter of happiness, I, I, I gotta, man, I've been inside for two years. I don't I'm know. So <laughs> from this. Like global pants are so, like sweating. I'm like, oh my god. I don't. I think. Um, I think. Where I'm I mean, leaning. Yeah, yes, I am. Yeah. Okay. Good. I, you know, I'm very happy. I also like. 
I am the 1% here. Like, I am so unbelievably lucky to be in the position that I'm in. And, like, trying to give advice based on, like, the life that I'm living now just feels dishonest. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like if you win four lotteries in a row, then, yeah, it's cool. Uh, (laughs) But but that just it doesn't feel, you know. And there is a lot of joy to be found in it, but that's that's not what the question is. Right, right. Yeah, I think obviously unbelievably lucky, but I also feel like if you're hanging on your hats like, oh, if I had a job working on video games or around video games, suddenly my life would be so much better. I don't I don't know if it would. I think you would by and large feel about the same day to day. Yeah. But it's every it's always perspective. Anything can become normal. Right. Yeah, I guess surprise I, you. I've been working in this that's long horrifying. enough where that's probably true. <laughs> yeah, but hard um, truths. Yeah, I, I got like a million of them. I mean, I think if you're Ooh. really curious about this, I have a site called GameIndustryGuides.com where mm. I um, have an email there. You can like email me any questions you have and I'll do like a in-depth breakdown post. You know, I'll cite you anonymously just because a lot of times people will hit. I'm sure you all have gotten this a million times over. Like people will DM you with like, how do I like just questions about the industry? And um, I personally love helping people, but I don't love writing the same like really, really long message to strangers who may not yeah. even take my advice. And I just feel like I'm wasting my time. Um, so now at least it's like, OK, well, I'm putting it on the Internet. Maybe even if you don't do anything with this, maybe someone out there will. So that's kind of been my logic. Um, but I think, yeah, definitely uh, grueling hours, uh, no pay, a lot of um, you really have to have to a degree, unfortunately, thick skin to be in the industry, depending on what you want to do in the industry. Yeah. I think there is a lot of joy to be had in, in building your own community and in drawing those lines where it's like you don't have to deal with terrible people if you just block all of those. But then also you, you know, have to be OK with leaving that money on the table, being OK with curating who views your content. Um, you have to be. Yeah, you just have to have a lot of grit. And I think also the number one thing that I think deters people i guess just from maybe even getting started besides like all of those things is folks always forget that this has nothing to do with games y'all i know it might sound crazy because like that's all we talk about like and i'm you know i'm playing games for hours it is a big part of my work week um week to week but i'm here because i like talking to y'all i like communicating i like writing i like editing um two degrees sometimes i also hate those processes too mm-hmm. but i'm i'm here because i like criticism you know i i have a literary uh background where i would analyze books and i love that and to me when i step up to a game it's the same as stepping up to a book and breaking down themes and finding evidence it's different stuff so like it's structurally different but that's what i love that's what keeps me coming back i like working with community i like fielding people's questions i have a bit of an ego where i can be like hey everyone look at this thing i did i know there's a million other reviews you want to hear what i said like you have to have a little ego to be doing that you have to be you have to have a lot of these different like facets so i think before you go into i think it's totally okay and natural to be like i like games maybe i can do something in games like that seinfeld bit but you have to have uh, a passion for something underneath that even streaming like it's not necessarily just about playing the games are you going to be a streamer that talks to your community if you are you need to be able to come up with questions you need to be able to deal with awkward situations you need to be able to bring people in like one thing i do all the time when i do like a this is very casual like in my discord community we do like we watch like the marvel stuff together and it's all chill like we're friendly it's like four or five of us on a call but even then i'm like okay let me make sure everyone's talking a good amount that everyone feels welcome let Mm. me think of a question i can ask like 
you have to like that stuff. And if you don't like that stuff, maybe this isn't the career for you and that's okay too. So I think it's totally natural to want to marry um, a passion you have, whether it's art or, or games or whatever, but you have to love the skill that it takes because, you know, I'm, I pulled up my toggle tracker um, on Tuesday, September 7th. And, you know, I'm trying to work less hours because I do be working a lot of hours sometimes. I, I worked 10 hours and 44 minutes. That's total time working. That's not yeah. counting downtime. I streamed for four hours. My VO took me 32 minutes to record. My review took me 45 minutes to edit. My capture and editing took me an hour and 21 minutes for the Artful Escape, a, a game that are, the game itself took me four hours to beat. You know, scheduling the post and doing the art for it took me 51 minutes total. Like, you gotta like that stuff. Like, you think I'm doing all that because I just like the art. First of all, I didn't even like the Artful Escape that much. That's another element, too. <laughs> like, I, but I loved doing that because I like engaging in the criticism. I like putting my work out there. Like, you have to have a passion for that. You can't just yeah. be like Mario Odyssey was fun. So I think those are all things that deter you. But at the end of the day, I feel like it's such a hard field. I would never discourage anyone from going into it. I think give it a try experiment. You'll know if you don't want to do it. And I think you should be okay with that too. Like that's part of figuring life out. Like I was a teacher before this. Like uh, there are plenty of people who would just have said, oh, well, I taught, so I can't do it. Like do whatever you want. Like do, do your best, work hard, be safe, be financially responsible, but follow your passions. And hopefully, you know, at some point you're going to find the thing that clicks for you. Follow your passions. Keeping it as a side thing is a very, very good safe route. Like Jacob Geller, yeah. you're like case in point, right? Like you built everything up in your free time. I, I Ben, I still have a job. I know it's crazy. What are you doing? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I am not. I'm still not doing this full time. Like it's, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I hate to say because I, I don't want to give the advice that people should work for free. You know, like I, you don't want to contribute to an outlet that won't pay you or whatever. But I do think there's value in figuring out if you like doing the thing first by just writing your own blogs, making your own videos, doing that sort of thing. And like, see if you can hold yourself to a schedule, see if you can kind of like consistently do this thing, you know, and, and if so, great, continue doing it. But like, you know, there there's a lot of schedule. There's a there's a lot of just like got to make a piece of content. I, um, I, I always I can I can feel people people listening to this. I feel them in my soul saying like long hours. Hey, I work long hours in my job and I don't get to talk about Artful Escape all day. <laughs> like, you know, people are it's like a lot of people are working long hours. And so I'm sure everyone's outraged. But like I just having the video game job would be so easy and it is but i think you're totally well it is at times well it's hard to i, I think it's hard to monetize that though it's like to bring yeah. back to the artful escape yeah, example it, like i make money on patreon like i have my own patreon it's pulling right. like eight you know that that's that's visible visible to the public it's like 800 bucks I, I show up here i'm on kind of funny i get paid through those facets but even like something like the artful escape i mean you could argue that i got paid through patreon because like my patrons support me doing right. my work right but Technically, y'all, I didn't make anything on that. Like, I, no one, no one paid. I did that for my outlet, Petapixels. I don't get enough traffic to get ad revenue on that. Like, a hundred people view the video. Go watch it if you like vibe with my work because that helps. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like that, I I did that. That is me essentially, like, trying to turn working for free and building up my own stuff into a way where I can also live. And that's yeah. why I use Patreon. Um, so you have to be able to figure that stuff out. Like, you know, I streamed for four hours. I got some money from that through Twitch subs, but it's not like I, that's not a guarantee. Like you have to have 
those plans in mind. So even if it's like the I guess the problem or the challenge in the game industry is, you know, that was a 10 hour, 44 minute shift. That's not counting when I took a break. That's pure hours work. So it's definitely way above the eight or even the 10. And how much money did I really make from that? It wasn't an hourly rate. So again, I I don't think that means that it's impossible. I did this. I've only been doing it for three years full time and I've done all this. I think that's people get really excited about that. But also it's a it's a bit of luck and a lot of work. So, um, yeah, I mean, but definitely keep asking those questions and and digging into that info. Hopefully uh, my blog can be helpful with that. Again, I don't get paid for that. I just do it because, you know, Ben, I do agree with your point that it's like I, I, I worked in food service for several years and it's like. I get to sit down now. You know, right. it's like there are yes. things, there are many, yeah. many harder jobs. It's important to know. It's just yeah. It's it's more like when I was working food service, I didn't have to serve a bunch of burgers like before they even considered paying me. Which I guess is just the the flip side. Is like you do at least <laughs> know that you are side? receiving a paycheck for it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. Yeah, yeah I think in terms of just like other things that you probably don't factor in. We've talked about it a lot, but just, yeah, comments can really hurt. And just like that need for comments, this is something I've talked about a lot on, you know, Better Quest, our show about getting better in MinMax Council, but like, I do find myself into like spiraling into these unhealthy nights where it's like, all right, before I go to bed, let me just do like a quick search of MinMax, see if anybody's talking about us on Reddit in the last week. Let, let me just... Oh, is, is, is Reddit, bro? Is anyone, is anyone Reddit. talking about That's us on Reddit? Yeah, what's going on over here? It's just like, it's always just that stupid loop of like, yeah, it's fun to get attention. I'm very spoiled. I could not imagine being more spoiled than this position with MinMax and stuff of just having complete freedom thanks to people on Patreon. At the same time, it's like, yeah, it's you're spoiled and then it's not like that's fueling a healthy part of yourself. You're just constantly hoping for a little bit more success <laughs> somewhere nebulously for some reason. No, yeah. I mean, we should spend as long as possible on this question. So uh, <laughs> I know my when my YouTube channel popped off in the vein of comments, it was like that was a immersion therapy. And my addiction to reading the comments was mm. like reading every single comment that came in about it yeah. as the views climbed. And it totally broke me after like three days. I was like, I cannot do this anymore. And now I don't do it anymore. Really? <laughs> it was I remember- like I needed that like the faucet to fully open on me for me to like lose my interest in it. It's amazing for you to live like 20 some years on this earth and be like, I know all the things that I don't like about me. And (laughs) then you just read something that a stranger's written and it's like, Oh, there's a new thing. Like I never thought of that until just now. I didn't have a problem with my hairline until these YouTube viewers (laughs) came along. (laughs) I do look um, yeah. like Chris Pratt. There's after so all. much here, but I mean, I guess if anyone ever wants to ask, what's like the nice? Because there are a lot of nice things. Like that's why oh, I do yeah. it. I wouldn't be here if I wasn't happy. Because you can For sure. Do, like I know I'm, I'm like a big hippie where I'm like I really think you can do anything. Like I truly do believe that, which I know people might think is silly, but I feel like I've done it and I've seen people do it. Yeah. Like So yeah, like you know, find the thing that you want to be. I don't know working hard over like that sounds also really dark but because there are like there are nice moments where like working for myself at the end of the day I can take you know a day off if I need mm-hmm. it and I can just sit around and like the other day I just played like Deathloop at night and I just chilled but like that comes at that does come at a cost I guess is the thing but yes there's plenty of hard jobs like my you know I my my dad immigrated here from Mexico my mom worked at a factory for a lot of uh her time 
while she worked, like she had 12 hour days, like she'd have 12 hour days, five days a week and then a week off where it was like two days working. So, yeah, like there's hard stuff, but like that's not relevant. Like, I don't know. People always bring that like, oh, it was hard. It was like, so what? Like, I don't know. You asked about this. So this is what I know. This is what, this is what y'all <laughs> this is, This is our, our perspective on things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Was that enough for you? Do you understand what it's like now, uh, Jared R. Meyer? <laughs> it's, <laughs> everyone's secretly a little bit more miserable than you can imagine, but it's still pretty good and you, you try yeah, really hard to keep things in perspective in the game industry. i do yeah. i do feel like if if you uh, i'm sorry the name again uh jared Armour, if you could like be a fly on the wall during a lot of like game industry people meeting up it is probably a lot more negative about almost everything than you could possibly imagine which at times will drive you insane to be like it's video games everybody but like maybe there is just something more draining about this concept that i'm willing to admit and maybe it is just that feedback component yeah i'm i'm obscenely grateful for where i'm at but yeah. it's it's there's always the the food chain of like i don't care about jeff bezos's problems and then i talk about my problems to a friend and they're like you know but it's still not having a real job right <laughs> and i say you know yeah right. yes exactly <laughs> this is all fake I just that is that is fair yeah yeah hey yeah. ramses garcia writes in um <laughs> oh boy and says uh philadelphia just passed chicago as the country's third largest city i uh, with phoenix and houston hot on chicago's tail i had question i thought it was like Phoenix just passed Philadelphia to be the fifth. Anyways, the point is, Ramses, um, would you rather live in a dying city where things start off expensive but get cheaper over time or an upcoming city where things are happening and it starts cheaper but gets expensive over time? For interest of this question, are we there for the rest of our lives? Do we have to stay there for the Let's say a good 10-year span. Yeah, but you, really, you want that? So, do you want to live in a place with like gentrification or like? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you want booming or busting? I guess is kind of the overall deal. And Ramsey says, "Fun it's fact, like yeah, fun fact: California is fueling all of the city's growth uh, around the country. All the people that can't afford homes here, California population is not really affected. People dying cities or small towns flock to it. Rural areas in the Midwest is the one taking the hits. Interesting. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like." I mean, I live in in a started off cheap, getting expensive place like Durham, North Carolina. Yeah, was uh, when I was born, like the the crappy, dangerous cousin to college cities nearby. And now, you know, has has basically gentrified over the past 25 years to the point that now it's getting very expensive to live here there are lots of kind of young professionals moving in and people who have historically lived here for generations are being priced out of their homes. Um, And it's like, yeah, we got a a lot of good food here now, you know, but it's like, (laughs) it seems bad. I I don't, I don't think it's a, you know, it's a good course to be on. Yeah, it is tough. Like being in Minneapolis since 2005, uh, and kind of watching the arc here, I've always just been scared of, like, at some point, this is going to become the Austin. At some point, everyone's going to realize how great Minneapolis is because I have enough people that have been here for a little <laughs> bit that are just all in on Minneapolis, right? Because the whole border of the U.S. fell into the ocean. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I do feel like it's a great place to be uh, in a lot of fronts. And I don't know, I don't think there's been that crazy explosion into Minneapolis yet, which I'm still scared of, but obviously things have been getting ridiculously expensive and things are increasing here in a big way. 
I don't know whether I prefer that. Like my heart wants to be like, oh no, I would take the place that's getting cheaper over time. But I, I spend a lot of time in rural Minnesota, like, you know, my hometown out there in New London, Minnesota, and like spending all those time just like driving through those towns that are just slowly dying. It's really a depressing vibe. And I don't know how much that would seep into your soul every day if you knew that like, well, I'm staying in this town, but I can clearly see nobody else is. And there's more and more abandoned buildings on Main Street. This is so surreal. I don't know, Leo, which way are you going, man? Yeah, you got to start cheap so you have time to make your investments. Oh, oh Leo. God, see, it makes more sense. This is why I'm broke. Okay. Vader style. I, was getting... <laughs> I don't know. Do you think you'll be in Minneapolis for the rest of your life, Leo? Great cue. I love Minneapolis. There was certainly a point where I... <laughs> um, I've never heard anyone say that. <laughs> you've never heard a truly great cue, then. <laughs> I guess uh, it was the first one. Coming out of high school, I was like ready to had a bit of that wanderlust you know mm-hmm. ready to see the rest of the world now i would be happy to be here the rest of my life if i were i also have always been curious about living somewhere else and would love to try it but minneapolis has everything and it's a, a great sized city for me yeah like close Leo, to you want to just swap <gasps> you want to okay. just like move into each other's houses life Ten swap in. wife swap here we go uh <laughs> alex Britt writes in and says hey Max, let's talk headphones in headphones or earbuds, what are your features slash designs you're looking for? Do you like earbuds that are in-ear or clip-on-ear, wireless versus corded? What kind of head bar do you like on headphones? Certain kind of nubbins that are must-haves? The point is just talk about headphones. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. It goes on for a long time. It's really long. Uh, AirPods. AirPods. I'm basically Apple person, man. The AirPods, it's dope. Like, no... like. There's something I love Apple's products because even though they, some of them can be, I guess, expensive, like the new iPhones, decent chunk of change. Ah. But it's like just a little bit expensive where you feel like bougier than you really are. It's kind of like when you get a Starbucks drink, right? The drink's actually like th- two to four dollars, but like you feel like a little luxurious. You're like, oh, <laughs> I don't, you know, it's coffee at home, you know? Yeah. yeah. So the AirPods give me that. Like there's a luxury there. I'm like, oh, what cables? No, too broke from too broke for my blood mm-hmm. it's all wireless baby it's all wireless but then my catch is when i'm like mowing the lawn or doing something loud like mowing the lawn i guess um then i have like backup airbuds <laughs> whatever they are that like have more of a seal or whatever so i can actually mm. cut it off I, the AirPods I are great. The, but. anything that goes in my ear yeah i don't want like i don't want like a squishy part on an earbud which is why i feel i wish there were more alternatives to airpods because i like the design of it just kind of sits there right um and it's like i guess you get better sound quality here's the honest truth about me i'm listening to podcasts 98 percent of the time and so it's like audio quality does not matter (laughs) and and so it's just like just give me something that kind of sits in there and it doesn't Squish and it doesn't like get my earwax <laughs> on it or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've hated every in ear earbud I've had in my life. Like I always have to take a break after an hour because it hurts or whatever. But my yeah. AirPod Pros, I will f- forget they're in, which is like the ideal for a headphone. For the me. pros, it's got to be wireless, of course. I'm wandering all the time. What, these, these pros, should I get those? What are those all about? Well, you've got your backup headphones that <laughs> block more sound. The pros, you just hold them for three seconds and it turns noise canceling on and off. I showed my girlfriend noise canceling when I got them because I was blown away by the feature. You put them in and you can just hear the world fade out. It takes a second oh. as it like records it or whatever. And then it just 
goes down to nothing. So it's just like it's a kind of scary. digital thing? <laughs> oh my God. So but yeah, then if you're going loud for a bike ride or whatever, you just turn it down to like not noise canceling mode and then you can hear stuff. Weird. As easy as that. Uh, maybe I should check it out. Uh, Sassy Luchador writes in and says, Hey, Min Maxers, if you had to pick one person from the gaming industry, dead or alive, to hang out with for a whole day, alive. Who, who would it be? And what will you talk about? <laughs> Miyamoto, but I would pick him dead. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon. I've always wanted to play Mario Kart with Miyamoto to do like an interview where we're also playing Mario Kart. Okay. And he'd be like, it's I've, a never, waste of the, I've never the played wish, Mario but... Kart. Please leave me alone, ma'am. <laughs> yeah, it's his first time. <laughs> no, that is a good idea. The, the obvious example, yeah, of playing games with them. That is obviously the wrinkle. Because even like, you know, I, I want to go, oh, Tezuka or somebody, like the director of Link to the Past, Mario World, like he'd have so many crazy stories. I guess I'd also have to hang out with the translator. But if you just like, watch them play the game or play some game together. I think that might be the good way to go for some of those old Japanese devs. If uh, two answers, yeah. both alive one, Mr. Kojima, like just, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like, it's a trope, but like, God, I would, I just want to hang out with him just for the experience of like hanging out with him. You know, nothing you could do would be cool enough for him. Like if you honestly had a date with Kojima first date, what would you do to try and make him think you were cool? I would cool? just say, hey, what are your favorite movies? And then he would talk for five hours. <laughs> I have literally... your favorite movies? I don't need to speak for this. <laughs> <laughs> I have literally been in the room when we did that on video with Dan Reichert in Japan. And it was the biggest just blank stare of a life. And Dan's like, what are your favorite action movies for this whole video? And he just stared blankly and then said, I, I like 2001. <laughs> so just I'd imagine it kind of that kind of off-put energy. Um, well, in, in my head, the version of Kojima in my head, very cool, introduces me to fun <laughs> celebrities. Um, the other one, uh, which I feel like is honestly achievable, maybe. I mean, he's not that big, but Davey Reedon, like oh, Mr. Stanley Parable Beginner's Guide guy, just seems cool, fun. I bet he would be a fun dinner conversation. Did you watch that uh, video pitch where it's him and Carla, formerly from Fulbright, for oh, their yeah. Annapurna game? Like, that really made me laugh, where they just kept pouring that tea. Like, it's it's just a video I mean, with them talking you, about founding the studio, but it's them, Leo, just, like, pouring tea continuously and then shoving more and more tea bags in the teapot. Just some good physical tea comedy. I loved it. I mean, <laughs> you you know about his, his podcast, right? I no. think I posted about it in the MinMax Slack. He has a podcast called, uh, God, the... It, it's some like very kind of pretentious name and it is just a reading a starcraft novel like <laughs> 30 pages at a time Love or maybe it. even less and just pouring over it the way you would like a you know dense literary text of just like every possible piece of the starcraft novel. i love it it's very funny i love it dan record already did it with read play back at game reformer with the gears of war novel but other than that that sounds great that sounds <laughs> great uh toby martin right did everybody answer that one that wanted to answer that one I'm just once. gonna say Tom Francis, the Gunpoint Heat Signature developer. Oh, I watched yeah. a lot of his game tutorials when I was trying to learn how to make games, and he seems like a chill bloke. I'd love to talk about game design with. And that's somebody that you could just go get a beer with. You don't have to worry about what you're wearing, like this Kojima fraud. Uh, anyway, still, no, I would love to hang out with Kojima as well. Just you raw that action movie things so, <laughs> on your bad side. I just feel like he's in, he'd be intimidating to hang out with. Like you know, doing interviews with them. You're on a mission, but if I had to try and convince him that I was a cool guy worth speaking to, pff, no way, no way. Uh, Toby Martin says, hey, Ben and the MinMax crew, 
Um, I was wondering if any of you have a least favorite objective slash mission type in a game. Mine is either looking for some code or password in a big area or having to reach a place in a short set time. Good question. Good question. Escort missions where the person you're escorting doesn't have the capacity to fight for themselves. Yeah. Or they're really, really dumb. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's been a while since I've had a frustrating escort mission. The the vibe of games, like, they can just not be killed now, I feel like. Right. If you have an ally with you, they don't let them die anymore because that's frustrating. Or give you away in stealth or whatever. Yeah, design has gotten smart and good is the takeaway, I think, yeah. Oh, Oh, interesting. Well, you know, somewhat. Oh, what's not good, Leo? <laughs> what's not good? Um, what came to mind? <laughs> what came to mind for this question is um, something I did in the Avengers game recently, which was like a weekly challenge to kill enemies while you're in this mode of super mode or whatever. After you've used this attack with a heavy finisher, so like. They have a long health bar, and you have to time it so your last attack of this five-button combo is the thing that kills them. And my god, that was a chore. It sucked (laughs) everything I like out of that game right out. So that was a bad objective. Okay, there it is. This is rough. Uh, Jake Zielsdorf writes in with a very specific question. How would you describe the difference between cheesy, corny, and cringe? Okay, so... Yeah. Salsa. Yeah. Yeah. What's the cringe dressing? <laughs> Mayonnaise? <laughs> How dare you? I hope you That's like cringe zag, dressing. I, is like when it's um, relish. Yes. Yeah, so when it's uh, like heartfelt and uh, cliche, like, you know, okay. uh, so it's cheesy. Cor- corny is like a dad joke. It's like, ah, like that's so like it's a little tacky. Um, but no one really cares too much. And some people try to make it their whole personality. That's corny. And then cringe is like, it's so bad that I get secondhand embarrassment from it. Those are the definitions. Do you, so could something be cringe because it's so cheesy or so corny? That's so corny, it's cringe? I, yeah, if it's I badly mean, executed, I, I think. Yeah, I think that badly executed is is kind of and also I think of cheesy and corny being more things that happen in media and cringe I guess is more real life though there's also cuz it's like cheesy is like when there's a real sappy love scene that feels kind of like because they needed a love scene it's like that's a little cheesy terminator whereas, 1 love scene yeah oh the best yeah um but yeah but cringe is like I don't know you see a tiktok video of like you know, a high schooler doing something dumb and you're like, eh. mm-hmm. though I think cringe can also be uh, people attempting to like write for a situation that they don't know about. I mean, I say this as someone who loves the Life is Strange games, but like Life is Strange dialogue. Yes. Swerves between cheesy and cringe with <laughs> wild abandon. And I think. I think it works, but it's like the cheesy is when it's like working and the cringe is like wrong. You owe me hella cash, which is a <laughs> line that you hear multiple times in Life is Strange one. Uh, etymology of cheesy for all the nerds out there. Uh, see, say meaning cheaper, inferior, attested from 1896 in U.S. student slang, along with cheese, a quote, ignorant, stupid person. British slang 19th century cheesy was fine slash showy, 
probably now f- big cheese big cheese referred to the person in charge was that a derogatory term big cheese i bet the big stupid guy the big stupid guy some suggest like we just say now yeah exactly <laughs> but it's weird that cheesy and corny they're both foods right whereas corny from the 1930s from an earlier sense rustic slash appealing to country folk so it's corny because people in the corn-filled midwest would like it that actually kind of tracks because not to start something really big but you know etym- the etymology of like words and how we determine what is and isn't like pristine and professional often does trace back to class origins so hmm. that would make sense there it yeah, is maybe it's like it's like new yorkers talking about like oh you you know flyover state people you think these puns are funny that's right and now look at him now they're begging us for more puns uh chris cuevas (laughs) on the rise that's right min max everybody uh chris cuevas writes in check out new show plus every week you get to choose the name of the game uh chris cuevas writes in hey min max crew and hello jacob as well do you prefer in-game day night cycles predetermined time of day or day night cycles that change with your real world time as a kid, I thought Pokemon Gold and Silver having a real-time day-night cycle was the coolest thing because I actually had to go secretly stay up late looking for Pokemon that only appeared at night. That does seem fantastic. Yeah, but then you you just get night forever, you know? It's like, yeah. you can only <laughs> yeah. play games at, like, 8 o'clock, then it's like, hope you like a dark game. Right, right. I hope you like the 5 o'clock music in Animal Crossing New Horizons because somehow that was always the <laughs> period where I would play it over and over and over again. I do it's very good. <laughs> Look, luckily it's amazing. <laughs> it's like, oh my god! Like, um, yeah, the non-clock one. I think the clock is cool. Like, and I, I think it has its place. Like, I guess it would feel awkward if Animal Crossing went the different route, yeah. like the non-in-game clock. But as someone that streams that game at the same hour right, all the time, right? You know, and then when I do, sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm gonna play off stream, so I'll play. Uh, that'll usually be at night, and I'm like can't see anything out here like i'm just decorating in the shadows it's kind of difficult <laughs> yeah i mean i really like the uh the spider-man like the recent spider-man tactic of like missions take place at certain times of day right uh and then when you beat it you can kind of choose what time of day it is um you know but it's like i like it being like this is a dark part in the story we're going to make it raining like I, I like kind of the the world having a resonance with whatever you're doing. And I'm trying to remember how do they manage that in that game again? Do they have like a transition scene to just like cut to a wide shot of the city changing time of day if you go there? Well, I guess okay. So it always I think it's always ends it's like the mission. You it'll be in cutscenes, and then they're like the weather stations or whatever that you do those little experiments in, and you can go there and change it. And I think you just walk out and it's that time of day. Okay, but okay, hang on. I'm trying to, I have a vague memory. Isn't it something though, like if it's a mission at night and they want you to be set up in the day for the next mission, it'll be like in a cutscene, like shot, reverse shot. You'll just see the time of day slowly transition quickly back. This is a a vague memory, but I don't know. Um, I think I'm with you, Jacob. That seems like the way to go. I think like Deathloop feels so unique for kind of being so simple about just yeah no there's just four times a day you'll get to experience it it's there's not a ticking clock anywhere here one of these fancy 9 30 a.m's <laughs> right exactly morning. that's right i love a day night cycle but uh, in some games it's like just distracting like why doesn't my dude ever sleep 
it's been weeks <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh solo writes in and asks what was the first game you finished with a non-lethal option did you go pacifist all the way did it change how you play games after that okay bye goodbye solo come back though i did mirror's edge for that achievement with no guns oh so I, I still never played it with guns i still don't know what it's really like that's interesting was it really hard to play that way it was pretty hard, but it felt like, you know, a normal amount of difficulty yeah. for a game. But I, I I love pacifist runs. I don't know if that's what got me on them, but I'm very interested in them in games that allow them. Did you play? Um, I was oh, go ahead. Jay. I was having this conversation with JV uh, earlier this week, but uh, Dishonored, the original, uh, I played that pacifist and I did not enjoy it. And I, you know, it was like I knew from the beginning it was like, well, killing people is bad in this game and you'll get the bad ending. And so I didn't play with any of the fun tools because they were all lethal and i just slowly like choked out everyone in every level um you know but to unconsciousness not to death smart um and i uh i wish i didn't because i didn't have a good time with that game and i think if i like played i I like death loop where it's just like kill everyone it doesn't matter (laughs) right play your way really now yeah um by the way, I'm realizing that weird shot, reverse shot, where the time of day thing was changing in cutscenes, that's in Red Dead 2. I remember it was like during missions, if they had to transition where the mission is at night, then like the cutscene before, they like quickly try and change it and try and hide it, but sometimes it's really drastic. Um, also, I mean, Leafy on the backstage past here, uh, watching us live, says, yes, Hanson, you're correct. There's a wide shot of the city in Spider-Man that changes the time of day. So full recap there. Uh, Nick Beattie writes in and says, Hello, Ben and Cohorts. I've been catching up on the Blank Check podcast lately. Jacob Geller, you're obsessed with that podcast too, right? Oh, I, to an unhealthy degree. I, I've <laughs> talked to Kyle about this. Like in the Midmax Council podcast, we talked about the Blank Check podcast and we're both kind of freaked out by how into what we are. Like it has gotten I think obsessive. It's, it's a podcast that it's like, I don't know anyone who is casually interested in it. Like <laughs> right. almost everyone I know who listens to it, it is their favorite podcast. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's consumed our lives. Um, and those three guys are now my best friends, whether they know it or not. <laughs> Two of them have been on this show and they don't even know that they're my best friends. Anyways, lately uh, they've been wondering, uh, Nick here, if there's such a thing as a blank check within the games industry. In other words, is there a game director or studio that after achieving massive success is given the opportunity to work on a game that they're really passionate about? Sometimes those checks clear, sometimes they bounce baby. Uh, Personally, I can see this with Miyamoto and the Pikmin franchise, but I'm interested in what you all have to say on this. Death Stranding, right? It's it's just Death Stranding. It's it's, it's the most obvious blank check you could possibly think of. Um, The other one that this is a credit to AJ Moser, who was talking about this question with Spore. Great. I think Spore is a big blank check game. Yes, it is excellent. Um, I also think of Deep Cut, but after Civilization's success, Sid Meier made a game that was all about music, and it was called CPU Bach. (laughs) That was another one where it's like, well, after Civ, do whatever you want, dude, we're set. And then he made this game with a very weird title that everybody immediately forgot about. Um... (laughs) But uh, yeah, Death Stranding, but the weird thing is like, I'm still amazed by the fact that Death Stranding was released within a couple of years. Like that seems like that could have been, here's $200 million and I don't know anything, but it's probably more like, hey, here's 90 million and actually a decent production timeline somehow. It's just amazing that that wasn't stuck in development hell, sucking in money. 
for sure. Um, but also, I mean, the, the big one is a rock star. I mean, they're in full blank check status at this point after GTA three. And now, especially there's, I just don't, even though, I mean, Red Dead two obviously takes big swings in terms of its gameplay and story, but it's like, those don't feel like blank checks to me because it's like, they, they know it's going to be huge you know like making a sequel Mm. to red dead redemption is not like make whatever you want it's like right you know make make a game that we know will sell a billion dollars yeah you're right yeah so it is has to be like that bold vision this is what i've always wanted to do this is my tomorrow land for brad bird that that's what you're looking for there yeah um, I was thinking about uh, the the wonderful 101 by Platinum, yeah. which I know not a lot of people have played, but that game feels incredibly expensive, I think is kind of like Nintendo is like, here is a whole bunch of money, Platinum, like make us a big, crazy game. And like, it's very inaccessible, you know, like it's not an easy game to play. It It is really kind of off putting at the beginning. And so to have like that much money put into something that specific and hard to play feels kind of blank checky to me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. For sure. Uh, all right. The time has come. Ding, ding. Question of the week. What do y'all think? The downsides of working in games. Yeah, what are we doing here? The one that was half of this podcast uh, by a mile. Congratulations, Jared R. Meyer. We'll ship you out a wonderful prize, the Pathless Double Vinyl Soundtrack from our friends at IM8. But thank you so much. Now it's time for something that we personally like to call Get a Load of This. Leo's so excited. He's hopping around the room. He's ready to go. Uh, all right, Leo, take it away, dude. Get a load of this. Ping de Guoba. What? PUBG snacks I got from the United Noodle near my house. What? Is a frying pan on the front? Yeah. There, the other one had a, a bulletproof vest on it. <laughs> they went for the frying pan. Crisp. Uh-huh. Present first. Choose best. Enjoyment. Good taste. Okay. You're going to crack it open? What? What are Did, did you enjoyment good taste it? We're about to taste test live. The but flavor is some good crinkle in there. Secret min snacks. Yeah, everybody in the backstage pass is furious at you, Leo, for trying to take Surreal's seat. Uh, they are outraged at the idea of anybody else tasting something on MinMax content other than our voice Surreal. I'm gonna do it. Oh no, here he goes. It's you can see the shape here. It's, it's a, a square. It's, 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 it's like a, a, weird, a wheat, wheat thin. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. It's because we both played before your eyes. Cheese it. Yeah. All right, it's going in his mouth. Where are we dropping, boys? Into his mouth, that is. (laughs) That's a whole different game, I feel. Oh. (laughs) This is yummy. It's yummy. Winner, winner. Uh, What's the dinner? (laughs) Dude, this is like corny. What's happening right now? Corny. It's leaning on, it could go cringe depending on what the next joke is, but. And there's chip is corny because it's made with corn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so you'd, you'd go out of your way to buy him again, Leo? Probably not, but I will finish this bag. All right, way to go. Give me a, where is it? Give me something that's better than and something that's worse than. Like, where's that kind of land? Worse than a Cheeto, better than a Cheetos puff. Perfect. You don't like Cheeto puffs? Oh, I would reverse that order. Okay, yeah, Jen and I are aligned here. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. 
Actually, I would put Cheeto Puffs above regular Cheetos, but definitely below Flamin' Hot Cheetos. Like regular well, Cheetos, then, you could throw that in the trash. It's fine. What? Sorry, my rating was not very helpful for you. Yeah, this is outrageous. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, uh, we all when you have different opinions, it doesn't always help to know this information. <laughs> hey. For someone, that means something, though. So mm-hmm. thank you. Get a load of this, everybody. Uh, there's this article that uh, every dork site wrote about, and everybody tries to make a mountain out of a molehill with every Star Wars tidbit. It's always just barely anything at all. It's like, J.J. Abrams addresses criticism of Rise of Skywalker. And it's like, oh, I got to hear this. Then you read the article and he said ambiguously, like, sometimes people aren't fans of my movies. That's <laughs> like, what? <laughs> so yeah. so I, was, I was hesitant about this one. But Marsha Lucas, who is uh, George Lucas's uh, ex-wife and also an editor. She edited Taxi Driver, American Graffiti, and the original Star Wars trilogy. Um, she uh, was in this book and uh, tore Star Wars a new one. She says, quote, it seems to me that Kathy Kennedy and J.J. Abrams don't have a clue about Star Wars. They don't get it. And J.J. Abrams is writing these stories. When I saw that movie where they kill Han Solo, I was furious. Absolutely, positively, there was no rhyme or reason to do it. I thought, you don't get the Jedi story. You don't get the magic of Star Wars. You're getting rid of Han Solo. They have Luke disintegrate. They killed Han Solo. They killed Luke Skywalker. (laughs) And they don't have Princess Leia. And they're spitting out movies every year. And they think it's important to appeal to a woman's audience. Now they get their main character to be this female who's supposed to have Jedi powers. But we don't know how she got Jedi powers or who she is. It... It sucks. The storylines are, are, are terrible. I love seeing Luke get bit by that force bug. That was my favorite <laughs> did, did she, part. Did she then say, I've taken the red pill and you should do it? It really feels like it's going that direction. So this is obviously before Rise of Skywalker came out that she gave this quote, but it sucks. The storylines are terrible, just terrible. You can quote me on this. J.J. Abrams, Kathy Kennedy, talk to me. <laughs> Holy wow. God, Marsha Lucas. All right. Everyone's eager for a job in Hollywood. Hey, Marsha. Okay, Marsha. Um, Janet, do you got to get a load of this? Yeah, get a load of this. This is radically shifting gears. Uh, I also have like a product thing to share. I bought these a while ago, but I feel like people don't really know about them, so I'd like to highlight them. I don't know. Are y'all familiar with the Scrub Daddy sponge? No, ma'am. It's like a real good sponge. It's a Shirt good sponge, so not sponsored yet, um, but it's a really good uh, sponge. Like it has like a whole gimmick where, oh, it can get like soft or it can be like hardened based on the temperature of the water and it just is a good sponge so i've used them for a while but on their website they have halloween shapes so they have like you can get like a little pumpkin sponge little ghost sponge little franken franken sponge franken sponges monster i don't know whatever right they're cute um so now i I got them they're like 15 bucks for a pack of three a little on the pricier side it's the starbucks coffee of sponges but um I feel better about the few times I do actually wash a dish because I'm cleaning it with like a little pumpkin sponge. So there you go. Sponges, everybody. Get a load of them. (laughs) I love it. Jacob Geller. Get a load of this. Yes, sir. On Saturday, September 25th, starting at 2 p.m., I will be doing a 24-hour charity live stream for the Bale Project. Nice. What What is that? Uh, the Bail Project is a uh, charity that basically pays people's bail funds because wouldn't you know it, bail is an incredibly predatory system that mm. uh, traps people in cycles of poverty even when they have not done anything wrong or have nonviolent offenses. Uh, so the cool thing about bail funds is that you pay them, that person gets to 
not go to jail. And then the money comes back out and just goes back and pays someone else's bail. So it's like, you know, your money goes incredibly far when you give to a bail fund because it just repeats so long as that bail is returned which it often is yeah so we can have um, a, a link below for this but if people wanted to watch your stream which yes they do? so it will be on twitch.tv slash jacob geller uh i'll be playing it's it is sword stream 2021 because we all love games with swords so yes. i'll be playing dark souls uh katana zero ghost runner uh, Hyper Light Drifter, other games with swords. It'll be a real good time. There will be lots of guests, including people on this very podcast, perhaps. Oh. Um, and uh, yeah, so come through. It'll be fun. We're doing giveaways. We got we got uh, stuff from uh, I am Eight Bit, famous oh, awesome. sponsor of MinMax. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. That's awesome. Love it. Uh, yeah. From so the- Saturday, uh, starting at two p.m. and going till Sunday at around 2 p.m. or whenever I collapse. We'll that see. sounds awesome. Uh, congratulations ahead of time. That sounds like a blast. Um, from the community, uh, we have a good alert of this channel in the Discord. It's the best place for news. Uh, Shazira posted this uh, Game Rant article today uh, with the headline, Gas Station Simulator is outselling Deathloop on Steam. Apparently people are very into this gas station simulator, and I don't know if we should even be surprised by these uh, twists and turns in the game industry recently, but turns out for success on Steam, you go for a gas station simulator before you go for a death loop. So fun, wild times. All right, that's it. Thank you so much for watching and listening, everybody. Uh, Let's see, Jacob Geller Charity Stream, link in the description this Saturday. Please check that out. Um, Let's see, we have MinMax Council our big call-in episode. This is the Patreon-exclusive podcast, but if you're at that $20 tier on Patreon, you can call in and podcast with us. And the end of this month, normally it's every Sunday, but I'll be out of town, so it'll be on Monday, the 27th, September 27th at 12 p.m. Central. Uh, We'll let you know on Twitter and all that stuff, but if you support us at the $20 tier, you can call in and podcast with us about any topic under the sun. We're legally obligated to answer all questions. We look forward to hearing from you. Um, also, thanks to everybody in the Better Quest channel in the Discord uh, for participating in the community goal and sharing beautiful pictures of new meals that they've been cooking. Uh, it's a fantastic uh, collection of meals in there. You know what else, Leo? What? We have two exciting announcements. Do you want one that starts with a D or one that starts with an H? H. Well, guess what, everybody? House Hunter Rise is coming back, baby! This is our most beloved new show plus show where we take a look at bizarre Zillow listings with a twist because it's coming back if we hit our goal on Patreon. We're trying to hit 2,700 supporters. So if you're one of those people on YouTube that's always screaming with every episode of New Show Plus, why isn't this House Hunter Rise? Bring back House Hunter Rise. We will bring it back for a three-episode miniseries if we hit a goal of 2,700 supporters on Patreon. So it's a great time to jump in. We have a fun month coming up ahead, and we'd appreciate the support. Also, in that fun month, Leo, it's been a little while, but I'd argue it's about time we do a deepest dive, yes? Yes. How about we make it the deepest dive? Yes? Okay. Well, here we go. The next deepest dive, everybody, is happening in early October, October 8th. That's right. You guessed it, ladies and gentlemen. We're doing the deepest dive on Metroid Dread. Jenny, you didn't do the echo there. 
Oh, sorry. Dread. <laughs> That's right. In space, so it takes longer for ah, some reason. In space, it takes longer <laughs> for you to, to hear happens. you scream. <laughs> yeah, right. somehow. Uh, we'll be doing a two-part game club discussion, so we look forward to playing along with that game with the community and then dissecting everything about it, creating the best, most thorough discussion about Metroid Dread on the internet. So thanks so much for your support. If you support us at any tier on Patreon, you can submit a question or comment for us to read off during the deepest dive in Metroid Dread, or if you want to lock the podcast for version of that full discussion instead of just watching it on youtube you can at that five dollar tier over on patreon so we'd appreciate the support all right thanks so much everybody um jacob geller you know who's great who's that you thank you for being on this episode of the podcast thank you so much almost as good as the entire thank you crew who supports at the 50 dollars tier because they keep this whole thing running i'm talking about fixture gaming's fixture s1 fatal x blade on youtube i am 8-bit ludwig roke zachary pliggy andrew ukerwitz andrew vala beaten down brian pretty good printing.com mercurica torreno jamar hello mark selga best of the rest podcast john higby call me guy call me by your game podcast clint farley drew waranis dan valone ted riser in particular thank you ted steve bam dad purebred number six Clemens Zobel, Starkiller, Chris, Spider-Dan, Spiral in Your Eyes, Pritham Yarlagata, Thomas, and me accidentally bumping my own mic. Thank you so much, everybody. We appreciate it. Jacob Geller, Janet, Leo, thank you for being here. We'll see you next time, everybody. Be good, have fun. Let's go. Let's go.